You're ugly. You're disgusting. I'm going to kill you. Give me $200. Die, death, die, die. Get away, get away. Death, die. Death, die, death. Die, death. Get ready. Uh, start recording this. Get ready to clip it because this is going to be die, die. No way. <laughs> that is wicked. I love it. It's hard to get good crack. Give me a boost. We have a podcast and you're listening to it right now. This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a <laughs> this show is behind the shem shemas. Yes, it seems. I'll give you a choice. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. Yeah, it's a nasty scheme. You maniac! What is a man? What is BTS? When we are successful, we will be. We have a real chance of this. Your patience is wearing thin. If you've ever seen the statue of um, Napoleon in Place Vendôme, Paris, you will notice that the word there of Napoleon is written Neapolio. Now that would mean, making this Greek, that means that he is Apollo itself. So there never really has been a Napoleon. It's all due to the sun cult of Apollo. You think you studied the history of Napoleon? Ridiculous. Who was his mother? Letizia, wasn't it? Who was the mother of Napoleon? Leto. What does Leto mean? In one language, Letizia in the other. Both joy. That's how we got the idea that Napoleon was born of a woman named Letizia from Apollo. You believe that Napoleon had three sisters? He did, according to a myth. But where did the myth start? Apollo had three sisters. Didn't Apollo have two wives? One was the earth, the other was the moon. Napoleon had two. Where's the sun the major part of the day? How long is it in the sky? About 12 hours. How long did Napoleon reign supreme? 12 years. See, sun myth. He never existed. Furthermore, where is the sun strongest? In the north or the south? It's the south, isn't it? Gets weak in the north, doesn't it? Where was Napoleon defeated? In Russia. See? Napoleon never existed. Sun cup. Think. 
think about it. It's episode 114 of Behind the Schemes for August 29th, 2022. And appalling myself a little more every day. This is Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. And all the way from the bereft coast where Napoleon said that history is just an accepted form of lies. My name is Lavish. Tits. I love that. <laughs> it's 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 a you know it's nine thirty here in the uh, mini apocalypse. So I can't be making too much of a ruckus with my with my real bell. So, well, the 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 sentiment is there. The bell is rung regardless. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing very well. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I've already learned that Napoleon is uh, like space. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if he was gay, but he's definitely fake. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I admittedly, I brought that one on myself. <laughs> <laughs> Old Napoleon. You ever studied that guy? I, mm, you know, there's uh, I, I did the cursory stuff, but I never, I never went super hard in the paint for him. Yeah, he, he had a, a complicated life, but uh, they they made a pretty good movie that was kind of fun to watch, starring uh, what's his face who played Bilbo in in the Lord of the Rings. Mm. And then there, I hear that they're making a new movie right now, and they're going to showcase five of his thirty or forty odd battles, um, because they only have time to do that. But yeah, wow, the foundation of modern military, you know, and he's fake. Yeah, it makes you wonder where the uh, who the real author was. Yes, was it Shakespeare? Mm. That would be quite the conundrum. That would be yeah. a um, a house of cards of fake people. It's a fake people rabbit hole. <laughs> Just a huge fake pyramid scheme, <laughs> which is what it's always been, folks. And that's why you're listening to Behind the Schemes because. We like to get behind that pyramid or under it or under it or, um, you know, inside of it sometimes. Mm. Definitely behind it. Yeah. Got to get, got to get around that pyramid. Well, I, uh, I, the, the very first, uh, step in making it around the pyramid is, uh, looking at tonight's tarot card. And from the line strider deck, I've drawn the Knight of pentacles reversed. Hmm. The Knight of Pentacles reversed. Now this is a this is a very interesting card because in the Line Strider deck you have the uh, classic ink and watercolor design of the card, and this one features a fully furnished knight in armor riding a giant tortoise. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tortoise Pits. is so big that he can ride on it. That's our new Instagram sound for tonight. <laughs> the old JCD tits. It was a long time coming, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah, this knight is riding a big tortoise with a nice shell. Pretty pretty sweet shell, I must say. Uh, uh, so I got some general key words about this card, uh, and then we can get into the reversed meaning. Uh, mm-hmm. Keywords being patience, long-term planning, sense of responsibility, gradual progress, and financial preservation. Yeah, I've got as also I also have as well reliable, stoic, slow and steady, committed, uh, and hardworking and practical. Well, very interesting. Let's uh, let's look into some reversed meaning, shall we? Let's do it. In uh, every, ooh, sorry, I went too far. Um, 
The Nine of Pentacles reverse can indicate stagnation, uh, a feeling of going nowhere, or an excessively conservative or rigid way of looking at things. The, that would kind of make sense with the tortoise, wouldn't it? You're like, uh, you're moving on something that's real slow and steady. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to be, um, like, I guess, pragmatic or like uh, you're building something slow, low and slow. Low and, then and the slow. Reversed, the reversed is like if you, you know, if, if that's to a fault, if you're going too slow, maybe you're not ambitious enough, maybe you're not aggressive enough, or maybe, uh, Maybe you're stuck in your routine, or maybe you're bored of everything. You've been doing the same thing too much. Maybe you're burnt out. Mm. That can that can be certain uh, signs of the reverse Knight of Pentacles. The card can also indicate troubles in investments, work, or an aspect of your life that you think is safe and reliable, <laughs> but is in fact not. Hmm. 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 You know, I actually, I pulled the perfect ISO for that one. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. Think about that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that one. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, in a spread regarding emotions, this night could re- represent someone who is boring or overly conservative. It can also show that other people are thinking that you are not engaged, not interesting, or not adventurous. While you may be feeling sluggish, lethargic, and unenthusiastic about what is going on in your life, it is important to know you are the only person who can change your own life. Let's learn new things. Open your mind to change and don't lose sight of the good things that you got. Yeah, perhaps you can try taking more risks, or you can spend more time with friends or loved ones that you haven't connected with in a really long time. Uh, it, it's kind of talking about changing your way of living, uh, lest you risk uh, exhaustion or, or stagnation. And if you'd like to see this uh, tarot card, it's posted up at the top of our show notes, which can be found over at zososcorner.substack. Dot com Z-O-S-O-S corner dot substack. Uh, that card is posted up at the top, along with the show art for this week, all the other links to articles and pictures and the freaks of hazards that help produce this show and the videos mm-hmm. and just everything. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff. Uh, uh, behind zero paywall whatsoever, there's all this, this these fun art, and it just looks beautiful. And it's, it's totally available to you at no cost. So... Zososcorner.substack.com. And this is, of course, episode 114 of Behind the Schemes. We do this show every Monday night, uh, starting at 7.30 Pacific, 9.30 Eastern, 10.30 Eastern, over at badradio.live. 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, got it. Uh, But we do uh, the shows over at badradio.live, so if you you feel so inclined, uh, I believe we've updated that website so now the chat room is linked on that uh on on badradio.live so you can hmm. listen to the stream and be in the chat room in the same page yeah the chat room's fun uh, there's plenty plenty of cool people in there and that's also a fun part of the show that you know we do every show live and you can always uh you know say weird things to us in our chat room so just go to that link that Booberry just described and and participate uh, speaking of participation, we, uh, we are a value for value production, meaning that, uh, like lavish stated everything that we do, we put it out onto the internet 
for free in hopes that you enjoy it. And if you end up uh, taking something valuable away from it, we just ask that you turn around and uh, help produce a show, whether it be through submissions of music, clips, stories, art, uh, songs, you know, if you mm-hmm. record something, financial donations, boostograms, all of it helps uh, uh, keep this, this show chugging forward. Yeah, it's a, it's a collective effort, you know. We're we're merely the conduits, and and we channel uh, a lot of what what our producers provide. You know, uh, whether that be art or music, as you said, people send in songs. You're a songwriter. Uh, write us a song about how uh, Hillary Clinton has sixty dead friends. I don't know, write something. <laughs> All my friends are dead. <laughs> All my friends commit suicide. Two shots to the back of the head. Hung from a tree with a extension cord. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody cut that surveillance cord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. That's little... the value for value, Marty, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have some boostograms. That we should read through. If uh, if you are ever at all interested, please, please, please send me an email at boo at behindtheschemes.com or lavish at behindtheschemes.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be more than happy to help get you onboarded. That goes for any podcast producer or creator. Uh, definitely want to try and uh, get as many people into the pool as possible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hop on the train. It's it's. Got a, a great momentum. But uh, nudepodcastapps.com is the place that you can go to get in on that hot, hot action. And no shit. Any questions? Boo at behind the schemes or lavish at behind the schemes.com. No, no question is too dumb. So don't, don't be shy. No, uh, but anyway, for our first boost, would I, it be Fletcher? Mm, the first one that I see was. Uh, Fletcher, yes, from Fountain. From Fountain, is it uh, sixteen sixty six? No, I see the twenty one twelve. It's uh, he boosted twice in a row from Fountain twenty one twelve, saying, "Attention, all planets of the Solar Federation, we have assumed control." Mm. Spooky. I don't have any good alien sounds. <laughs> I need some uh, like wub wub or something. Oh yeah, and damn, then- you're right. We should get more alien sounds. And then his host, uh, Carolyn Blady, both of them host the Hog Story Show, which uh, you can listen to on the No Agenda stream following immediately before this one, uh, starting at about 7 o'clock uh, Central Time. Mm-hmm. Hogstory.com. <laughs> but uh, Carolyn said uh, for 8888 through Fountain, oh my God, Rowan Atkinson opener. I love it. Do well, love uh, us some Rowan Atkinson. Yes, I would call him, uh, dare I say, a brilliant comedian. Oh. I, yeah, I did it. Well, he's a smart guy. He flies planes and whatnot. He actually saved his family. His whole family was on a small aircraft, and uh, the engines failed. And uh, he made a, an emergency landing. Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. With your whole family on? No pressure, you know? Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> yeah. So good for him. 
Uh, let's see. The next one that we had was a uh, hundred sats from at Great Iron Chris yes. on uh, on uh, Fountain. He had a hundred sats. No message. Uh, I see you. This guy. This guy has like twenty five motherfucking OBDM clips posted up on his uh on his profile over there. It's quite phenomenal. Hmm. Great Iron Chris. Yep. You can give him a follow over there on the app. <clears throat> nice. Nice. And then we had from Servo1650 using the boost, C, uh, boost CLI that allows you to send command line boosts from your node. Uh, 1666 from Fletcher using the Breeze app. He said uh, Goat Crucifix. <laughs> oh, yeah. from Holy Mountain. No mm-hmm. doubt. No doubt. And then he That's right. The- last uh, last uh, show that we did, by the way, we watched the Holy Mountain. We didn't mention that. but Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to I was gonna bring it up because I got some... Uh, some clips kind of about that some follow-up yep right on uh and then we have uh and then he said in 16 666 yep saying this is for the gro- uh, goat crucifix this is for the goat crucifix. nice be breeze um and then we got a uh, hundred sats from in a millennial he said testes Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have another new name, uh, Rhizome Ryan. We were working on No Agenda Social, uh, getting him onboarded into an app, and looks like he figured it out because we got uh, 100 sats, 101 sats, 200 sats, and he says, uh, thanks for letting me test out this lightning wallet confusement, smiley face. Uh, 200 sats, 200 stats, 420, all from uh, from Podserve. Excuse mm. me, Podverse. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Never ends. Podverse. Uh, well, yeah, I'm glad that we could all help him out and that yeah, he's he's testing it on us. Thanks, Rhizome Ryan. And we got a 6666 from Servo with the uh <laughs> it's a little knife emoji with a uh with a goat. I think we all know what that means. The old booster goat. If you if you send us six 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 sets, we uh we slaughter a goat. On the air. And uh, Servo wanted a little goat blood, so he went and uh, took the initiative. And then uh, after that was 420 from Rhizome Ryan saying, I have a lot of mo to catch up on. Oh, yeah, he was was going all the way back in time to episode 66. Uh, Ah. You know, uh, that mo, he's a a good show. If you haven't listened to most of it, you should. Yeah. Uh, twenty one hundred from Boomy. That's a uh, Boomy of uh, Albi Wallet. GetAlbi.com, if I'm not mistaken. He was boosting that episode as well with uh with MoFax episode sixty six. Soylent Green New Deal. Hmm. Uh, I see a new name. Some good art too. Yeah. Did on that one. <laughs> one of my favorites. Mm. I'm not sure. It's uh Hyranus. I'm not sure how you would pronounce this. Uh, it's house. Yeah. Uh, but they sent us 50 sats through Fountain. We appreciate that. A nice. 333 from Servo. And I know what he was doing here. He, uh, <laughs> someone, I, I think it was Hieronis, boosted yesterday during the Battle of the Douchebags Part 7. Mm-hmm. And uh, Servo was uh, honk testing me. <laughs> yeah, to make sure that you didn't have the honk going. I know. Well, it's worth a shot. 
Uh, let's see here. And then we got 24,650 sets. Boom. In a millennial of the millennial media offensive. Yes, indeed. Nam himself. His says, uh, at time of send, 4,930 so- Satoshis are equal to one United States dollar. I'm no geologist, but this should be equal to $5. Also, just got my BTS shirt. I should have gone through Threadless instead of Amazon. Now everyone thinks I like K-pop. Oops. Well, you know what? We would still... Uh, actually, I think we would ridicule you horrendously. But yeah. from a good place. From a good you know. place. <laughs> I'm just fucking around. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Nam, and uh, good luck with your K-pop tracking. Hopefully they figure it out eventually. <laughs> no doubt. Listen to Behind the Schemes if you want me, Dan Gehring, to slaughter a goat. To slaughter a K-pop star. <laughs> the MF Goats. Uh, and then we had 3333 from at MBS through Fountain. No message. Thanks, NBS. And then, holy bejesus, 66, 666, five sixes, nah. which is a pentagram of sixes. Nah. I know. <laughs> Geometrically satisfying. <laughs> and uh, he's given me the uh, new uh, new tagline that I should boost into to Adam so we can get this ISO. Satanic punk rock conspiracy second half of show, heart the new T. <laughs> mm, yeah got the new gear going got it i just keep getting them i keep getting shirts they're so great of course bts npr bro tank on now as always at the ready nice i'm i am not wearing a bts shirt no yeah, you are on the inside right, that is that is true uh and then the last thanks Peter. yes thank you Peter. we really appreciate that yeah man really really generous of you thank you that was so, so Satan-y. It's the evil donation. It was. It was evil. <laughs> Part of me thinks he might just also be an evil lizard. <laughs> you can't uh, leave everything out, you know? No doubt. Uh, and then the last two come in from... Um, uh, the first one was from Bully... Or, excuse me, the... This one was from Bully Seed for 9,001 sats, which is one of the new boost amounts. Uh, I might have made an error when clipping the uh, the ISO, so um, getting that rectified. So when that does happen, I'll make sure to play them for both Bully Steed and MBS. But Bully Steed said, small batch and artisanal behind the schemes. Mm-hmm. Handcrafted every Monday's night. And then uh, NBS said, Pokemon, go to the polls. Pokemon, <laughs> go to the polls. Yeah, that's a reference to us doing uh, Battle of the Douchebag 7, like Boob said, uh, which was a ton of fun with uh, Sir Seat Sitter of, uh, of um, Abs in a Six-Pack. Abs in a Six-Pack. And yet we, uh, we competed with Rob Dew of InfoWars. I believe he's the program director, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and InfoWars... Just so anyone doesn't know, is uh, Alex Jones. So he's uh, he's one of the main producers of Alex Jones Show. So I I think it was one of our most subversive episodes yet. <laughs> it was fantastic. We had good matchups, and then uh, you know he uh, guest won, which is yeah. What's not to love, man? That's a good all around uh, result, I think. 
Yeah, that was a good time. Uh, the champion, by the way, was Brian Seltzerwater. Brian Seltzerwater. That guy. Yes. He, he will proceed on to the Ultimate Douchebag Championship, which will be head, uh, held after the next one, Battle of, Douche, uh, Battle of the Douchebags 8, where uh, all the... Um, all the runners up of all of the douchebag battles that we've had thus far, they'll all go head to head in a final douchebag showdown. <laughs> It'll be uh, quite the sight. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> Should be a good one. Uh, you know, I I had I had big high hopes of winning. I I thought I was kind of coming up clutch with the. Uh, well, I shouldn't talk about it. I don't want to spoil too much. No, oh, I don't mind spoiling it too much, but it you had good people i i I don't know really what happened i uh i didn't expect jill to to do what she did i kind of thought yeah i don't know i didn't i didn't see it going at all how i thought it was going to (laughs) go for the whole bracket right (laughs) uh so you know maybe next time (laughs) i think it's going to be uh Actually, it's going to be Tom Starkweather, a.k.a. Melodious Owls, and, um, oh, I forget his name, but it's the... And uh, uh, Footloose, right? Footloose. Um, Adam of the Deborah Gets Red Pilled podcast is going to be hosting that one with uh, Sir Sir Seat Sitter. That's right. Now, who knew there was going to be eight of these Battle of the Douchebags? <laughs> yeah. And there's going to be more. Well, I think there'll be nine, maybe ten. Maybe there'll be like a, a penult or a post ultimate showdown, perhaps. You mm-hmm. never know. We'll never know how many of these will do. No doubt. Uh, and that, uh, I think, concludes us on Boostergrams. Again, if you want to get in on that action, new to podcastapps.com, or you can just head over to our website, behindtheschemes.com, SCH3M3S, if you want to produce some public radio tonight. You're ugly, mm-hmm. you're disgusting, I'm going to kill you, give me $200. <laughs> That's not the one he meant to play, but... Uh, <laughs> That's still pretty good, though. It's still pretty good. <laughs> good God Almighty. Hi, baby, how you doing? Think about that shit. Well, I almost had you, but I will not be thwarted again, because I... Do a commercial, you're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore, and uh, end of story. Rolling out the MK Ultra song. It's great. Give me a boost. Ride the lightning boost. Ride the lightning boost. Ride the lightning boost. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh 612-263-7999 is the easiest way that uh you can help produce this show. You can call that number up and leave us a voicemail. Wait a minute, hold on. What number was that again? Mm-hmm. That number. I'm gonna say it real slow for you so that your maggot brain can understand the words coming out of my mouth. Are you ready, son? So pay attention, dipstick, because I'm only <laughs> gonna tell you this one more time. One time, so you better pay attention, boy. <laughs> that number is six one two. I can't remember saying it so slow. Two six three seven nine nine. Nine. 
Now get it through your thick skull, grunt, or we're going to have problems. <laughs> I can't believe you. You still call people dipsticks? That's brilliant. <laughs> I love that. It's such a good one. I think that's a timeless insult. Yes. I <laughs> just <laughs> use and abuse it. It's a classic one. I love insults or curse words that aren't actually curse words. And and older folks, you know, they they rock that stuff. Like if you if you hear somebody call someone else a turkey sandwich, oh man, yeah, <laughs> you son of a biscuit eating bulldog, you old turkey sandwich. It's like whoa, 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 whoa. Them's fighting words. <laughs> uh, let's listen to this first uh, scream out. Let's. It's a Monday, and this might not get played till next Monday because I'm still listening to yesterday's behind the schemes, and it sounds like you guys, Mr. Lavash, Lavish, uh, and Blueberry and Bot fan of the uh, picket fences and uh, and uh, fallen leaves, uh, you guys are going to be on Hog Story, and there's that whole collab after Carolyn got shot and is no longer the sheriff of Nottingham. Or a pod story until when she comes. I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh, scream. Um, 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 um. Oh, when you get confused and you don't know, like, who's going to be on the show or what the questions are or something like that, and you're trying to figure it out, and you're on the social, and, and you're a little, you know, you, you don't know because you didn't catch the last episode that got played out of order, and then you find out, and whatever. Not a really big deal, but you're kind of like, ah! Because you feel like you're in the loop, and then you're not in the loop. But then you get back in the loop, and besides, the loop just kind of catches up eventually, you know. And you, you hop right back on that wheel, you know. You get a little jostled, like the, like you spaced out, like the hamster, and you, you know, like kind of spun around a little bit. But then you get back on in the groove of things, and you just keep going. And yeah, so ah! and back to go. Yeah. So, alrighty, wheel. Uh, yeah. So uh, have fun on that, that story of the hog or whatever. And uh, you guys, remember to uh, always stay hydrated and stay dangerous. And I love you guys. And um, maybe maybe just for the sake of it, Baka! Baka! Uh, Caller, last time I checked, you're not even my real dad. So I don't know why you're sitting over here telling me what to do. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know where you get, like, get off, like, calling people and, like, and like but calling them and just like you know that you know like you know like uh christopher battles he's right we were on the hog uh, yes last monday yes we were i we uh, hung out there was a there, you know there's part where he got a little fuzzy for me i'm not i'm not quite sure what was uh what was happening <laughs> hey man it happens you know every now and again you you, you have you're having a good day and uh, yeah, you came in a little hot, but that's that's fine. Yeah, it's, you know. Well, you know, it's not it's not often that we go on to other shows, and this is true. We try to present a mostly uh, white picket production. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and uh, you know, like you got to be on top of your shit. We had the we had the moonshine swigging episodes. Yes, and, you know it's it can be fun, but. You know, there's there's things have changed. We've grown a lot of, over the last 114 episodes. Yes, this is true. Yes, I used to just black out and do the show, and now 
I don't. Yeah, sometimes. How how far we've grown. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Now, we only have one more, but that voicemail was from Tuesday of last week. We do have one sitting in the can that came in for tonight. I feel it would be appropriate to play it. Very well. I, I concur. You are listening to Behind the Screens with Blueberry. That Mozzie Man. Man, there was a lot of moths when I went camping, when we went camping this weekend. And uh, Wabish. He wabishes you. It's a Monday. Anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, my scheme, or my scream was gonna be uh, something about a bear, but I kinda slipped and uh, gave that story on Hog Story. Sorry about that. But I was just out doing doing my run, and I got in a residential neighborhood, and I like to kinda play with cars and see how much they're paying attention, because, you know, we all get a little lax of the wheel, and we're looking for other cars, maybe maybe bicycles or things like that. But, you know, you think more people would notice the shirtless runner who's uh, waving. But, you know, anyway, so I got a residential neighborhood, and I saw this, not that it matters, but a company vehicle, and and uh, I can tell they're, they're going to they're gonna start to turn right, and I'm, and I'm going toward them. And so I run behind them because, obviously, I don't want to get hit. But and I could tell he probably wasn't seeing – I knew he wasn't – Seeing me, there was no like visual. Re- oh, I was gonna say registration. No visual, uh, you know, whatever. Saying like, "Hey, I see you," kind of thing. So I ran behind him mm. and I did my little wah kind of thing. Remote. Uh. No, sorry, I went like woo uh, behind him, and uh, all of a sudden, like he barely even started. But all of a sudden, like slammed on his brakes, sort of thing. And then I hear him yell out, "Like sorry, like it's all good." But <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so. It's kind of fun to, to play with cars, especially if they're, you know, like you're obviously not going to get hit or nothing. You don't want to be doing that. But sometimes cars will be pulling out of a, probably just running down the sidewalk, and I can tell cars not paying attention. And I'll, I'll give, if there's nobody in the street, I'll give a wide berth and uh, as a pulling out of like a parking lot or something. And, and all of a sudden I start to pull out and I just yell real loud. And, you know, I just put my hand up and wave sort of thing. Not, not, nothing lewd or whatever, but uh, just kind of a reminder that there's people out there running um, and uh, not looking for them. I get it. But uh, anyway, yeah, so that's my little, uh, I guess, screen was just going whoo, behind a car. So, all right. Well, yeah. It's Monday. So let's get back to the screams, those schemes, those esoteric dream something. All right. Love you guys. Say that address. That's a double. Oh, thank you. Thank you, caller. That's I'm glad that you're healthy and and fine after almost getting into some some physical, uh, you know, altercation or incident. Yeah, nobody, expe- nobody needs that, especially with a vehicle. No bueno. Yeah, you don't need that uh, in your life. Mm. At all. Uh yeah. That's something else that I that I want to just address on, but that's okay. Well, um, yeah, if you would uh, like to call, once again, that telephone number is 612-263-7999. Mm-hmm. That's right. It won't ring. Uh, you know, you're not going to disturb anything. Uh, just leave the, the screen mail, and then we'll play it on the air. We don't screen anything. You can say just about whatever you want. 
just about everything you want. <laughs> anything that the sick, twisted human imagination can conceive of. It is your oyster. It could be yours for the taking. <laughs> With no charge. No charge to you. No charge. No charge. No charge. Um, hmm. Are you feeling anything for a die roll tonight? Uh, well, how about you? I feel like I've been picking the dice roll rules lately. Why don't you uh, take the helm today? Um, so we're going to grab our four-sided die. Okay. 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 The pyramid. Yep, the pyramid. We're going to use that as our multiplier. Okay. And then we're going to use the eight-sided die. <clears throat> the diamond. The diamond, and that will be what we're multiplying. Very well. And I like it. How about uh, so we could get a maximum of what? 32? Is that correct? Yeah. Four times eight? Yeah, that's right. Uh, let's uh, closest to 16 wins. <laughs> I like it. Yo! I did I did okay. I did okay. What'd you get? I got a twenty-four. Twenty-four. I got a twelve. Oh. I think Three that makes you the winner. Alright. And what was it? Do I choose or do I go first or what? What was uh, the rule? Uh unless you wanna unless you don't want to go first, I'd I'd say uh you take it away. Uh alright. Sure. Why not? Um I brought some interesting stuff that I, it's more like a strange history. It's like a, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's history docs, but it's not actually about history. It's about people. And it's about, I don't know. Anyway, the thing I brought, I, it's hard to describe what I brought. So please bear with me. I have um, two things and I'll let you, I'll let you choose which one you would you like to start with. I have, a clips of uh, from Vice that did a very interesting sort of documentary on Chris Farley and uh, on how like fucked up he was at SNL and how much of a party animal he was. And uh, and then I also have the birth of Jackass, how Jackass started from the perspective of Steve O. And it turns out that Jackass has a lot to do with the history of um, skateboarding as well. Well, fun fact, I actually am a huge Jackass fan. Are you? <laughs> I know this is shocking. It was uh, yep. not something that I got to see upon its initial release, but when it's like 4 a.m. and I can't sleep, I'm watching uh, Jackass or interviews about it. It's something about that camaraderie that I, yeah, re- it, that I really dig. It's such an interesting thing. Jackass, when you know, I was in high school or, or whatever, it was, it was so big. Such a big deal. Whenever they made a movie, everybody went and saw it. And uh, it was like a cultural phenomenon at the time. Uh, and it's awesome. It's fucking great to watch anytime it's on. It's funny. But it's such a like specific thing, especially coming out of the 90s and just like the sort of... Before the, the heavy camera, 
use that we have now because everyone's got cameras. It's it comes out of like the beginning of home videos or the or the golden years of home videos, and also out of skateboarding. Mm-hmm. And these guys, the vast majority of them were skateboarders. They were you know in the early days they were good enough to be at a competitive level, but there got to a point where and I'm not going to spoil too much or anything, but they got to a point where a lot of them tits. The, the the skateboarding got so advanced that these guys like couldn't compete anymore. They couldn't be professional skateboarders. But what they did find was they just liked being skateboarders and doing crazy shit. And when they were making these videos, they would like they're skateboarding and crazy shit. And they got to a point where they were like, let's just do crazy shit <laughs> and stop skateboarding. Yeah, and the skating kind of falls off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like oh, I mean, they skate every now and again, but that's not the focus of it. But it is birthed out of all that. So anyway, uh, Steve-O, who, and the reason why I kind of picked these two things, they, these two characters of Steve-O and Chris Farley, they're very similar and they're very different. Uh, Steve-O used to be a massive partier and used to just do, you know, he'd snort laundry detergent if you handed it to him. This guy did it all. And now he's dead sober and he's kind of like, you know, preaching the word of sobriety and all that. Not, not in an annoying way, but he is a sort of a, a poster child or a, a, a figure for sobriety. And I know that that's a major kind of topic because he's, he has a podcast and he has, he is an online presence and he talks about it. Uh, Chris Farley had a massive drug and drinking problem and that's what ended up killing him. And he was dead by the time he was, guess what age? Only because you asked me to guess, I'm going to say 33. Goddamn right. The 33 Club. Farley's in it. Uh, Thankfully, Steve-O didn't go that way. So let's listen to what Steve-O has to say about uh, the early days of skateboard tapes. If you can play Jackass 1, Rubbish Heap. You can't tell the story of Jackass without the story of skateboarding videos. And the first commercial skateboarding video came out in 1984. It was called the Bones Brigade Video Show. And it showed a very young Tony Hawk just ripping in a way the world had never seen. I got my first skateboard in 1985, but at that time, the skateboard industry was so small, it was very dependent upon the approval of mothers. So in the videos, they were very careful not to make it look too dangerous. Whenever they showed slams, nothing was too violent. They really did their best to make it look cute. In 1990, my dad won a video camera in a corporate golf tournament. I stole it from his closet and I started making my own video. And around the time I was making my first video, this pro skateboarder named Steve Rocco, who owned a skateboard company called World Industries, said, you know what? We're not kissing mom's ass. We're gonna make a video that's super gnarly and shows skateboarding for what it is. And he set about making his first video called Rubbish Heap. Yeah. You ever heard of Rubbish Heap? Mm-mm. Well, it's, uh, I think, a precursor to every, all, everything we're about to talk about, but it's also a precursor to the internet. It's 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 the proto-internet. It's... uh. Just people being drunk, belligerent morons. Uh, 
It's it's great. <laughs> Not a lot. Not a lot has changed. I see. Nothing has changed really, except I think people have gotten softer. But <laughs> what are you going to do? And the drugs have gotten way worse. It's hard to get good crack. It's hard. It's hard it to get good crack. It is hard to get good coke. Hard mm. to get good anything. Yeah. I mean, even the best stuff out there is a subpar quality because it's at a manufacturing level that this has gone downhill, and it's just so difficult to traffic and to work in drugs that only people who don't have to compete really do it. You know, people that were grandfathered in or work for the CIA or whoever, the ones that actually facilitate the global drug trade, the, the standards have, have lowered. But then again, I think that's uh, that's for another episode. That we'll talk budget, in the budget cuts at the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, well, we can't do that anymore. We're going to do this. Um, yeah, so Rubbish Heap, the tape Rubbish Heap comes out, and he talks about that in Jackass 2, start Dirty Skate Mags. He didn't really have anybody to make the video, but there was a photographer for World Industries named Spike Jones. And if that name rings a bell, he is an Academy Award-winning movie director. But his first ever video project was the Rubbish Heap video, which featured pro skateboarders making a kid eat an earthworm, and the kid barfs, and the dog eats the barf. And that Rubbish Heap video opened up the door for skateboarding videos to include just crazy wild crap. At that point, street skating got so good, I could no longer compete. So I made it my business to just do stunts so that I could be in skateboard videos, but not as a skateboarder. And I moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico to live with my sister, and that's when I went hard with it. Fire and flying off buildings and just handstands on moving cars. And all the while, Steve Rocco was just becoming more and more powerful. And he got more and more crazy. So to promote World Industries, he would make these insane ads. And one of them was of a little kid holding a gun to his head. And the two biggest skateboarding magazines, Thrasher and Trans world both sent the ad back to him saying look there's no way we're gonna run that and he said oh you don't like my ad well how about this I'm not gonna take any more ads out in your dumb magazines and I'm gonna start my own magazine and that was how Big Brother magazine started for the purpose of being naughty <laughs> how do we control the dirty stuff how do we stop the dirty stuff huh yeah yeah mm. I was what? watching the, they they had something on the Apple podcast and Adam Curry is right there front and center. Uh they referenced that so much. I forget exactly what I was watching, but ah uh, man, it's so funny how prevalent that that one thing is, you know. Yeah. Such an important day in podcasting history. <laughs> <laughs> never. You'll never control it. <laughs> Good. Even if you took us on the interwebs, you took us off the interwebs, we'd, we'd go underground on the VH, VHS circuit. <laughs> That's right. We'd circulate tapes in yeah. the good old days. And everybody would have to go buy a, a VCR. We'd be one of those video nasty uh, productions. Yes. NC-17. We'd break off, uh, as, these, uh, as this guy said, so that we could do the naughty stuff. <laughs> uh this whole scene's great uh this seems like 
like I said, it's the precursor to the internet. These guys went around with home, home video cameras, you know, some real low res, lo fi shit, and they would uh, just film whatever crazy shit they were doing and they would post it. And people really were drawn to that. It had a huge appeal. And they, through the magazine itself that they were talking about, the uh, Big Brother magazine, uh, you know, there's it's all classic, classic skate art and posters and articles and i mean the whole thing is is really is especially in retrospect it's fucking cool i mean the whole scene was just it just looked like a blast and everybody who was part of it just you know thinks about it and talks about it all the time how how fucking insane it was um i'm sure that you know people still do crazy shit and all that but it's just it's not quite as novel as it used to be and these guys did it better yeah than uh no doubt than everyone, you know, for sure. And Bizzle does sound great. Thank you, Cotton Gin. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, Pitar's right. The drugs uh, have severely been affected by the COVID supply chain issues. Those need to be, those need to be uh, remedied immediately. Open the borders. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants the borders open like boobs, you know. Yeah. Open up. (laughs) (laughs) Way up there in your northern state. Open them up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's uh, let's listen to Steve-O talk about Big Brother Magazine. Jackass 3, please. Big Brother would be the place that brought together all of the characters you would come to know from Jackass. Chris Pontius was a writer. You couldn't have Jackass without Big Brother because Big Brother was like a magnet to all the misfits in the skateboard world. Jeff Tremaine was the editor-in-chief. We were hiding behind skateboarding and making it a ridiculous magazine just to entertain us. We Man was in like the mailroom, dude. <laughs> I get all the stacks of magazines and I'm just shoving them in envelopes and put oh. the people's addresses that were subscribed to them uh, and then mailing them off. It mm-hmm. was a skateboarding magazine being sold to children in skate shops and it was full of nudity. They had tits on the cover. Skateboarders being <laughs> crucified on the cover. Skaters jumping over burning Bibles. They had articles about how to kill yourself. Like literally, <laughs> like the most effective ways. How to make fake IDs. How to buy crack in bad neighborhoods it was so fucking insane that the pornographer larry flint found out about it and he was like i like it so steve rocco sold it to him somebody needs to be pushing the limits of the first amendment all the time to make sure we're getting our money's worth when i was in albuquerque and big brother came through town i made it my business to track those fuckers down and get in the magazine and i did I found them at a skate park. I said, dudes, I'm going to be in the magazine because what I'm going to do tonight is going to be so crazy. And I ended up setting myself on fire and burning the skin off of half my face. And those burns were terrible. But I got a little article in Big Brother. It was called The Burning Boy Festival. And I would become a regular character in the magazine. I was even on the cover doing a handstand ho-ho plant with one leg. <laughs> Always really appreciated that Steve O was his own biggest hype machine. Oh yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> He's definitely a promoter of himself. 
and he he did all yeah they the i have the video of course uh linked in the show notes if you go to zososcorner.substack.com episode 114 you'll find it and you'll also find just a lot of that old footage uh, all the old uh skating footage and and those original tapes where they're setting themselves on fire and you know going to diners and shitting on the table just like, it's it's uh it's all there and you can go check it out it's it's really fun to watch and then yeah he set himself on fire he burned half his face off oh geez <laughs> and they got pictures of that but that was his big break that's how he got into the into uh, big brother magazine he reminds me a lot of um of uh chip monk you know chip, chip monk yeah chip showed up he was like you know what i'm gonna start doing this and mm-hmm. lo and behold, he showed up and he started doing it. You gotta and just admire that. Yeah, uh, just to remind everybody, Chip Monk is the, uh, I guess he was like the technical, or maybe even the artistic director of uh, the original Woodstock and the MC. For those, is that is that an app? Is that the right way to, to describe this guy? Uh, yep, lighting designer, technical director, uh, producer, MC, kind of did it all. Yeah. Uh, so he just dives in and all these guys did. And, and this other character who started the magazine, his name is Steve something. I'm fortunately forgetting right now, but this guy's kind of an interesting character as well, who I, who I've never heard of before, but he seems like pretty influential in the, in the dirty skate mag scene. Seems like he started it all. And he brought all these guys together. Uh, you got Steve-O, you got Wee Man, you got a couple other characters and then finally, of course, to seal the deal and to kind of be the star of the show, uh, the man himself shows up, Johnny Knoxville. Uh, and Johnny. Oh, sorry. What's that? <laughs> oh, I set you up for that. I, I, my bad. Go for it. And Johnny Knoxville started showing up in Big Brother when he decided to do a review of self-defense equipment. The self-defense equipment was the first time in my life where I felt like I had momentum. He got shot with red pepper spray. Hit me! A stun gun. Charge! And a taser gun. Weren't you on 90210 not too long ago? And then actually put on a bulletproof vest and shoot himself with a 38 caliber handgun. <laughs> Jeff Tremaine said, go ahead and make sure you video that because they also made videos which came out periodically to kind of color in the behind the scenes of it all. The Big Brother videos were basically jackass before jackass, and they had all these bits in them that would end up being refilmed for the show. This sausage doesn't look right. It looks a little like poo. This sausage looks like poo. <laughs> these videos became insanely popular, and Jeff Tremaine and Johnny Knoxville decided to reach out to Spike Jones and say, hey, we think if we take out the skateboarding, what's left over could be a great TV show. The Big Brother, you know, it was about personalities, the big, right. the big personalities in skateboarding more so than the great skateboarding that's happening. So that's what they did, man. They subtracted the skateboarding, and what was left over was Knoxville, Wee Man, Steve-O, Pontius. And then they added Dave England and Danger Aaron from Blunt Snowboarding Magazine, as well as Johnny Knoxville's buddy Preston Lacey, and joined forces with Bam and his CKY stuff, made a tape, and called it Jackass. And Dick House, the iconic production company, was born. They brought their tape to HBO, and that meeting went horribly. But then they brought it to MTV, and MTV loved it. 
Typical. Typical. MTV. Look what you did, Curry. (laughs) All roads lead back to Curry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Any thoughts? Um, I think it would have been interesting if, if Steve-O had sat on the CKY side of it there for a hot second, because Bam, from what I understand, was already well into the game of uh, producing tapes and, and releasing them. <clears throat> yeah, Bam was probably objectively the most successful of all of them as far as skateboarding is concerned. He was the most um, like famous and, and had the most accolades and was considered the best skater. Mm-hmm. And... I think, I think Bam was already from a, a rich family. He, 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 they were from like you know, uh, East Pennsylvania, over in Lancaster, Westchester, one of those ritzier Pennsylvania suburbs, uh, not too far from um, Philadelphia, or would it be Pittsburgh? I think it was Philly. No, wait, I'm talking about Pennsylvania. What's in Pennsylvania? Philadelphia, right? Uh, both of them. Both of them. Well, I, yeah, but I think it's I think it's closer to to Philly. I'm from the the bereft coast, so forgive me. I don't have the. This is why I'm going on a big road trip soon, so I can learn more about the country. Um, but <clears throat> he he already I think had money, and he had a big house, and he had you know a family that supported him that became famous through through Jackass and through Bam's you know all of his tapes and stuff that he would make. And I think that he brought a level of financing and a level of, you know, initial reputation to the whole thing. And he, uh, and yeah, I think he was. He, and he CKY is his band that he had, I think, with his brother. And I had buddies in high school who listened to CKY, you know, and, and thought they were a good band. And so all of that production, so they came together with that. I think that's the that's the BAM story in a nutshell, from what I recall. Uh, I want to say they got into it. Uh, it was a fairly interesting interview. BAM called into Steve-O's Wild Ride podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about his uh, recent in-and-out stints with uh, rehab clinics and how he was uh, let go from the uh, fourth Jackass movie. Right. Yeah, they, they got rid of his ass. <laughs> they got tired of Bam, dude. Yeah. And, you what? know, that's... I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> he wasn't the only guy that they ended up having to uh, to to do this sort of intervention with, right? I mean, they did the same thing to Steve-O mm-hmm. in the 2000s. Um, but I guess yeah. the difference between Steve-O and Bam is uh, Steve-O stuck with it. You know, I, I think that was one of the issues with bam is he ended up like on the big call where he was supposed to make his case and try and get like back on the good side of uh knoxville and tremaine and all of them i i believe steve-o said that he had called in drunk (laughs) Mm. (laughs) or had no called no showed to the meeting maybe that was it like done it yeah what's worse flaking or calling in drunk um hmm i think it did well hmm i mean they're both awful but Objectively speaking, I can't even. I, I'm thinking maybe calling him drunk is slightly better, but not great. I don't know. I don't know what it is. If you can, uh, you know, you could, in theory, chalk it up to a sloppy connection. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. Internet's on the fritz. 
Oh, Fred, sorry, I can't do it. Bye. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> well, that's kind of the horse they rode in on, though, you Man, know. Man, this internet connection makes me want to puke. This <laughs> Wi-Fi is making me sick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's, like I said, that's the horse they rode in on. That's that's the scene, you know? They're all a bunch of crazy party animal skateboarders who were doing crazy shit and on crazy drugs. And all respect to Steve-O, man. Good for him, you know? He, he, he got his shit together, and now he's got, you know, this big podcast, and he goes around in his, in his RV, his nice RV, and he fucking, you know, talks to everybody. And mm-hmm. that, what was the name of his show again? Wild Ride? Yeah, with Steve-O. Yeah, they get some great guests on there. I saw he he had Frankie Muniz on there the other day, mm. and there was a it was strangely interesting conversation that they had. I guess Frankie Muniz never has done drugs or drank ever. Tits. That's fucking for us for a kid star. That's gnarly, dude. Yeah, yeah, that's gnarly, no doubt. Um, so anyway, probably, uh, probably means he uh, ended up with uh, quite a bit of extra funds. Oh, dude, he was talking about how he made his money. He was talking about how he he bought parking lots in downtown L.A. when he was like 16 years old. Really? He's using his Malcolm in the Middle money to buy parking lots. Like around <laughs> Staples Center. Yeah. Like, fucking, and the way he described it, he's like, yeah, nothing was happening around there at that time. And then, shit, after five, ten years, 10x his money. And he goes, I should have. I should have hung on to it longer, you know, through the through the 08 crash and all that. They'd be worth hundreds of millions now or whatever. But the way he puts it, he's like kind of a nerdy guy. He's like, I wanted to buy shit like parking lots and storage units. and <laughs> mm, Storage units could be fun. Yeah. Not for the money, but because it's it was cool to yeah. do that, you know. But ultimately, in the long run, they do have that value. You know, you just buy and hang on to it. So that was an interesting conversation. Frankie Muniz with Steve-O on that. And like you said, yeah. And, and also his parents didn't just totally fuck him over too, which is always a, a, a plus for child stars. Right. <laughs> Thanks, <Yeah>. Mom. <laughs> they had to put in a law. Talks about it. It's named after a famous kid actor from way back in the day, but you couldn't, you can, you have to put away 15% of everything that the kid makes and put it in a, you know, whatever an escrow or a, an account where they get it when they're when they're eighteen years old, and they you know they get at least fifteen percent, <laughs> which I think is still rough. But the parents spent all that money. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see here. So this last we got Johnny and MTV, and then of course they make the TV show with MTV, right? So they so Johnny and Steve and all these guys they go pitch it to MTV, they go pitch it to HBO. And it goes terribly, so according to Steve-O. And I, I can see that. It's actually funny to think about it. All those guys hammered in the HBO offices. And then they're like, that goes bad. And then they go over to MTV and they go do coke with Adam Curry. And Adam Curry's like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> Jackass 5 movie deal. Or no, so, is it? Yeah, yeah, Jackass 5 movie deal. Yeah. So Jackass premiered on MTV in the year 2000. And very shortly after that, little kids were showing up in hospitals all over the place. MTV got very scared about lawsuits. So they started coming up with new rules that we had to follow and censoring footage that we shot. And Noxo was like, hey, man, 
I'm not gonna do a watered down version of Jackass. Like, I quit. And like, we were all like, Noxo, what do you mean? And I'll tell you what he meant. Like, this is a sacred fucking thing. <laughs> and it's gonna be the way we want it to be. Just like Steve Rocco always said, fucking, you don't like it, fuck you. Noxo quit the TV show, but got us a movie deal. Because with the protection of the R rating, we didn't have to worry about little kids so much. So that's how it went from TV to movies. And dude, the first movie was 20 years ago. Yep. <clears throat> and that's basically the history of Jackass in a nutshell. From Steve-O himself. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah. Great yeah, stories. Yeah, he's a good storyteller. Did you ever that's get into uh, Wild Boys? Uh, yeah, yeah, not really, but I I saw it. I saw that stuff. I would have to say, I think, uh, ooh, okay, if you had to, if you had to go to a bar with one of the guys, and, you know, let's, let's assume that, like, the sober ones are going to be drinking water and it'd be cool and, you know, everybody would have a good time, hang out. Who would you be, uh, drinking with? Of the Wild Boys or of the Jackass guys? Uh, of the Jackass crew. I would love to have a drink with uh, Steve-O, for sure. And then it would be Wee Man, and then it would be Johnny Knoxville. Mm. See, I'm a, I'm a Chris Pontius guy. <laughs> and Chris Pontius, and they talk about him a lot. Steve-O talks about him a lot. He'd be cool to hang out with, too. We should try and get him on the show. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. I think Steve-O would, or any one of those guys, give us a little time. Uh, maybe not Knoxville, but... Uh, you know, I like Steve-O and Wee Man, I like because they're both on the straight and narrow and because they both live in L.A. and they just roll around L.A. Wee Man lives in like a nice Mercedes van and Steve-O lives out of like his nice RV and they just roll around and they're like, they have a great positivity to them. You know, they got a, they got a great attitude. If, if we're talking about hanging with them now, <laughs> hanging with them back then, that's a different question. No doubt. Um, but yeah, I like your your choice too. Chris is a is definitely an OG of that whole scene. There's a. I would actually like to. Uh, I would like to play an uh, an ISO in honor of a uh, Chris uh, Chris Pontius. I'm a cool dude in loose mood. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. We all know that. <laughs> yeah, don't you know? I am the love gov. Okay, I'll have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Old Cuomo. <laughs> oh, what a guy, huh? What a guy. Um, yeah. Uh, for the for the sake of time, I guess I'll just press forward uh, onto the next bit. Unless you had any parting thoughts on the Jackass deal? No, I still need to go uh, see number four. I still got to go see number four. Jackass four, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it either. The one thing I saw from it was they had like Machine Gun Kelly or somebody on there and they punched him in the dick into a pool or something. Mm -hmm. Something like that. They had the big fist. uh, They had the like bike race and like wind up the hands and you had to wind up your opponent's hand before they wound yours up. Exactly. And whoever whoever lost got the slap into the pool. (laughs) Just get blasted into the pool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this led me on a big kind of foray into the skating videos, which 
are great. I mean, there, there's two kinds of like skating videos, in my opinion. There's the jackass style where you're doing crazy shit, but then there's also just the classic great skateboarders, like he mentioned Tony Hawk, and uh, and all that, and then um, the Rodney Mullen videos and things like that. Those are all classic, not because they're doing crazy shit, but just because it's unbelievable skateboarding. <laughs> And those guys weren't doing all that partying and stuff. They just cared about about skating, you know? Right. No doubt. But, but draw both, true both personalities. Um, in contrast to somebody who cleaned his act up and got sober, there's a story, a tragic story, unfortunately, of the guy who didn't, who was one of my favorites. I love Chris Farley. And I grew up with Chris Farley and... He, he just was a great comedian and a, and a great personality. And he represented, you know, a similar time. This is like the early to mid-90s. And um, things were just different back then. It was just wild and crazy. And Saturday Night Live used to be way different than it is now. Saturday Night Live is like a propaganda basically now. And it's just an incessant sludge of Democrat talking points and weird comedy and you know these the comedy isn't that good and saturday night live has had multiple stages of being good being bad the the era between you know farley and and later eras was really bad and they and towards the latter part of farley's career there it wasn't that great either but uh, there was one story from this vice documentary which is again linked in the show notes of one incident in particular Chris Farley, do you like, do you, have you ever liked SNL? I should ask you this before. Mm, ambivalent. Uh, there was the skits that I've seen that I like. It was not, uh, it was, it was never a weekly draw for me mm -hmm. ever. Uh, it certainly didn't help when they shut the bed. Um, right. In the, in the 2010s and up. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, the Eddie know, Murphy era was like <laughs> one of the last great eras. I I got the not ready for primetime players on uh on vinyl. Okay, and I listened to that quite a bit actually. Uh, growing up, mm -hmm. I really enjoyed that one. It's got a really funny uh <laughs> back and forth between Richard Pryor and Chevy Chase. <laughs> Really good. <laughs> Who were just two of the greatest at yeah. the time. Yeah. Chevy Chase was really the first star of SNL for anyone else. In the in like the first year, he was the runaway star. And the 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 appeal of SNL, especially the original SNL, the not ready for primetime players, is it's a lot like they were like the jackass of their day. You know, they were breaking rules and doing drugs and being just edgy. doing whatever was funny, being edgy, yeah. And and doing it at a very dark time in New York City's history, where New York was just an absolute shithole, and and they made it work, and and they were doing that, you know, that was like a five ten year process where those guys just went nuts. Yeah, and no. <laughs> I grew up with all of that because my my dad actually loves the that original SNL and loved Belushi, and I grew up, you know, watching Blues Brothers and all those movies that they made. And I loved that shit growing up, and I had a I loved SNL, and I grew up at the time where we, you had Adam Sandler, David Spade, Chris Rock, Chris Farley, 
uh, Norm McDonald, fucking yeah. all these guys that were great. Dana Carvey, Mike Myers. I do like the Wayne's World stuff a lot. Wayne's World's great, of course, and that was directly came out of SNL. And all that, I mean, that's... I I really enjoyed all that back back when it was happening. Of course, I was I was pretty young. But uh, Farley, he was the life of the party. He was the guy who was the runaway star of that era. And he was the one that everybody was drawn to, that knew about. And um, if he was on, then SNL was on. And if he was off, then people had to carry it, you know, <laughs> because he wasn't doing it. And he was only on SNL for like two or three years. And the first year that he was on, he, he actually had this whole life of like, he, he was from a middle-class family and from the Midwest. He goes to Chicago and he becomes this star of, of like the improv scene there. And he, th- what I found interesting was he's one of the few guys that didn't have to audition for SNL. Oh, wow. Which I think is off. That's quite an accolade, right? Everybody had to audition for SNL. But Lauren knew about him, knew about him from the Chicago comedy scene and said, you're fucking in. I mean, he took him to 30 Rock and introduced him to everybody and <laughs> he was invited on, you know? Right. Uh, but after that, he, you know, he started making some money and he started being with all these in the scene of this party scene. And SNL is a massive party scene, whether people, even now, I mean, they go out and they drink all night after every single show. And it's pretty well known that people like, you know, who's that uh, shitty talk show host? Uh, Jimmy uh, Fallon. Fallon. Jimmy Fallon <laughs> is uh, is like a big drinker and it's well known. And I've, I've actually known people that have interned over at 30 Rock at SNL and they'll tell you, this guy fucking parties. Um, anyway, sorry, we're talking about Farley though. Farley has his has his first year or whatever, and then he's going into his second year, and he's just out of control. And there's this one story that they have told by one of the one of the gals who was a cast member of the show. She was in the the the, the live in a van down by the river scene. Mm-hmm. She she was like the daughter or whatever in that scene, and she has an interesting story about Farley that I wanted to share. You can play Farley one Life of the Party. Chris Farley was always the life of the party. He was the kind of wild and crazy guy you just wanted to have a beer with. When I came on to the show, we all knew that Chris partied harder than anybody. Chris was savvy enough and smart enough to keep it away from the show for as long as he could. Everybody knew that he he had a problem, and we were just like kind of like all hoping for the best. Farley's friends and family noticed that his partying was becoming a problem, and they had made attempts to get him to clean up his act. Okay, well, we got this. We'll we'll solve this. Though we had no idea how to do that. So our interventions were bad. You know, Chris was just, like a lot of addicts, uh, just kind of complying with it all just to save his job. It wasn't about being sober. It was about, okay, I'm just going to make people happy. At that point, Chris was drying out, using again, drying out and using again. By the time Farley returned to SNL for his second season, things were escalating. Was it was it just cocaine that he was addicted to, or was he using opiates as well? They kind of imply down the way that he started doing the heavy stuff. He started doing heroin, mm. and he would out-drink everybody. And also the eating. I mean, the eating was out of control. And, and yeah, cocaine, speed, everything. This guy was doing anything he could get his hands on. 
Literally. Like, I mean, when you go, you know, you and I, I know, we party a little bit. And it's okay to party a little bit and do, you know, some things. But heroin, I don't, I don't do heroin. And I don't plan on ever doing heroin. You know, I draw the line at heroin. Yeah, man, the heroin does you. Yeah, man. I mean, I'll do a hydrocodone if the dentist gives it to me. <laughs> but <laughs> I won't go out and shoot up, you know, when you have to, like, stick a needle in between your toes to get high. That's just too much. But this guy, I guess, didn't didn't mind. He didn't mind uh, going to that level. And I, from what I understand, you know, he had a lot of insecurities. He He really didn't like being the funny fat guy because in my opinion he was so much more than that people act like he was only funny because he was fat and because he could fall through a table but that's bullshit he was a great actor and he was a great comedian and he had a great sensibility and uh, and he really had a massive amount of talent but uh anyway uh any thoughts for farley too no uh, right. is this uh escalation escalation there was a very there was a very specific day that I remember. We had all gotten to read through. You know, outside of doing the show live, that was the most stressful part of the week. And Chris didn't show up. And then somebody at some point said, okay, we're taking a break. Everybody come back in an hour. Went out into the, to the lobby and I remember seeing David Spade, and he's like, hey, you want to go to McDonald's? And I was like, yeah, let's go to McDonald's. There was a, a McDonald's in the basement of 30 Rock. So we get on the elevator. The elevator doors close, and we're just going down. And the elevator doors open, and we see Chris. And Chris was not right. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. He wasn't very right at all. That uh, doesn't but, bode well. <laughs> uh, Farley 3, Elevator. Farley's partying was leading him deeper into substance abuse. And as his using crept into his work life, he had a harder time keeping it a secret. The elevator doors open, and we see Chris. Chris had obviously done something major some major drug and i'm going to take a really good guess and say that it was heroin and when you say not right what do you mean i mean that his whole body was just kind of like he had just really slowed down and he was just like i'm sorry i'm sorry you guys i'm so sorry you're gonna be so mad at me and we're like we're not mad at you we're not mad at you and he kind of fell into me David's looking at me, and I look at him, and he was like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And then he was like, well, maybe if we can just get him to his office. As if we were going to hide him and protect him from, from the rest of the world, which is so insane. And so we're on the elevator. We go back up to 8H, and the elevator the studio doors floor. open. And we look out and we see a few people, you know, some of the other producers. And David was like, nope, let's take him back down. The elevator doors close. 
go back down, the elevator doors open, and who is standing there? None other than Lorne Michaels. So Chris sees Lorne standing there, and he's like, Lorne, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're gonna fire me, Lorne? Please don't fire me, please don't fire me. I promise I won't do it again. And, you know, Lorne just stands there, and up until this point, I had really felt like that's my boss. I, I want to do right by him. I want to be validated by him. He was my boss. But in this moment, and I'll never forget it as long as I live, I literally saw him transition from boss to a father. And he was like, Chris, Chris, stop. I love you. We've got to get you some help. She sounds uh, pretty shaken up about the whole thing. Yeah. It wasn't a cool experience for her, I don't think. Mm, no doubt. And Yay! <laughs> they're so overworked at that show. You get down to like how they do it. It's... They're all just hanging on by a string. Any one of them could be fired at any time. And she's just like, she's probably just like, I, I really feel, I feel like this man's going to die in my arms and I'm going to lose my job. It's tits. <laughs> the hits keep coming. It's so not a good day. They were just trying to get some McDonald. Uh, yeah. Well, Chris. So I, I won't go into any more of the doc than that just for the sake of time, but, you know, Farley was in and out of rehab for a number of years. He was eventually fired from SNL because SNL just did a complete overhaul. They fired everybody. And he went and made movies, and he and some of those movies were really, really popular and did really well at the box office, like Tommy Boy and, and all that. But then he made some real stinkers, too, and it, it really weighed on him. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting talk. I'd, I'd check it out. He had a very crazy life. Yeah, I would. Uh, I definitely need to go broaden my um, <clears throat> my experience with Farley. Uh, broaden it some because it's. I don't. I haven't seen many of his movies. I haven't seen Tommy Boy. Um. I haven't seen the. Yeah. Uh, Black Sheep. Black Sheep. The, nope. There's the crappy ones like. Um, I mean, Beverly Hills Ninja or whatever. <laughs> like, he did some weird ones. Um, but it, he has all these bit parts in all these other movies. Like, he's in Wayne's World 2, and he's in all these other movies. And he's interesting. He's an interesting character guy. Oh, but, yeah, that's right. He plays one of the roadies in training. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's screaming at the tennis ball machine. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And he's in the first one where he tells Mike Myers like where the the boss is going. He's going to take a left through Chicago, come on down this way. And Mike Myers is like, "Wow, that guy knew an awful lot for a simple and humble security guard." Oh right, I see. I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, but he is real. Where he really shines is is when he was on SNL. He has some insanely good SNL bits. Coffee crystals. I got. I got to send you some of the shit that he did. I mean, it was, it was genius, and it really showcases a, a, a great acting ability. Um, 
But yeah, that's old Farley. And uh, R.I.P. SNL. Jesus Christ. How far it's fallen. <laughs> yeah, press us a spit. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> but they really do have an audience, though. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're right. I should get an oh, no. Oh, no. I, I need oh, to go get no. that, that terrible, terrible TikTok oh, no. Oh, no. I, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need it. Oh, uh, God. I can go with that. But, you know. It wouldn't hurt to have fucking TikTok. I hate TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Anyway, uh, let's leave it at that just so, so we can uh, press on. Alrighty. Uh, now, I did see that you had uh, one additional clip. Do you want to hit that or see if we got some. Uh... Uh, it's a short clip. I thought you might like it. It's a, it's a clip of our good friend. Actually, you know what? Save it. Let's not play it because it's in the intermission. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Well, let me check and see if we got any screen mails coming through. Doesn't look like it. Uh-oh. Well, then you better call us at 612-263-7999. Yeah, or you'll get the... Yeah, yeah, I'm just teasing it right now. Just but... give it a little tip-tap. <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> you wound it up just to give you the tip. Yeah, just the tip. <laughs> just the tip just a little flick and you're like oh no not yet, not yet. yet. <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh and then the booster grams uh, that have been coming through i've been trying to get this uh one of these new ones to fire for bully steed and nbs i want to make sure that they get their uh their booster grams worth so uh, we're, we're teching it out. We are addressing the issue. We're going to ask that everybody still remains seated. Please climb down off of the lighting towers. It's greatly appreciated. We would really appreciate it if you just do that. No one will get hurt. Thank you very much. Mm. Uh, you got anything to say about, uh, tonight's intermission? Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Mm. I like it. Easy. Peasy. Breezy. I'm in squeezy. <laughs> Squeeze me. <laughs> I don't have to give you this gentleman's qualifications as an as an actor. I think he is probably considered by other actors and people in the enter- entertainment profession as probably the greatest actor of our times. I admire him for that. I also admire Marlon Brando for his conscience as an American and his moral commitment when he believes in something. Will you welcome, please, Mr. Marlon Brando? The last time I was on the show, I can hardly remember, but I remember uh, <laughs> uh, vague things about it. I almost fell down as I came in. I was so dead drunk I couldn't. Uh, no, you weren't. Now people ask about that show. <laughs> you know, you know what they do for people who don't know? They they don't have the custom anymore. But they used to. They have a room back there where everybody sits and uh, mm-hmm. and talks before the show, and they used to serve drinks. And you. I start listening to the show and not being a habitual tipper, I, I would listen and, and talk and listen and chabble with people. And the first thing you know, you're over the abyss and you haven't realized it. And they say, now, on the stage. You know, the first time we started that was when you were on the first time in California. That was when you finished it, I think. That's right. And we said no more. And because we served champagne, we were in California, we thought that would be swell. And you walked out. I remember you weren't that as bad as you thought you were. That's a compliment. And you, and you came out and you saw the lights. And the lights hit you. 
and you went, uh, all of a sudden you sounded just like Stanley Kowalski. And said, man, those lights are kind of bright, aren't they? And it was a, it was a great interview, well, one of the highlights of our show. So we've given that up. We'll have to rerun it for a minute because it's a blur. <laughs> breaking feel the breath no judgment mm. so, so when do you think I can leave let's just here? focus on each day as they come Jim I mean I legitimately do have a life to get back to I know I've been pushing you through a lot but being a superhero is a trial by fire Bruce mm. I'm not gonna be a superhero what else are you going to do as a Hulk? Uh, return to my career that I have spent years building. Use my law degree that I am still paying off a fortune in student loans for. It's not one or the other, Jen. I am trying to show you that we can live between what we want and what is. But we can't pretend like we are two of the few people on Earth that can actually protect her. Which is why we have to make sure of your ability to tolerate distress and regulate your emotions, especially your anger. Well, here's the thing, Bruce. I'm great at controlling my anger. Mm. I do it all the time. When I'm catcalled in the street, when incompetent men explain my own area of expertise to me, I do it pretty much every day because if I don't, I will get called emotional or difficult or might just literally get murdered. So I'm an expert at controlling my anger because I do it infinitely more than you. So all of this just feels like projecting a lot of shit onto me. See? No, I'm doing this. Okay, this is completely new territory. <laughs> you guys have outgrown your binder, cuz. Love you, Bruce, but I'm going home. Justice? They're not the Justice Department. They're not a police force, folks. They're assigned to the president for one purpose, to protect the president, folks. You're not going to see them in Chicago hanging the president. That's not their job. Their job is to protect the president. And they will. If the president commits murder in front of them, they will protect the president.
Welcome back to second, second half of show for Behind the Schemes, August 29th, 2022. August 29th already, boobs. I know. 
It's uh, September here in a couple of days. Yay! Mm-hmm. Yay! Thanks, uh-huh. Alex. <laughs> Alex. You know, I bet you we're going to meet that guy someday. Probably. Uh, One way or another. I, I think we should take the Stevo route. Uh, by lighting ourselves on fire? Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> it'll either work or it won't. <laughs> mm, I'm going to go with, uh, I think it will. I think it. How are you going to build up an immunity to fire if you don't expose yourself yeah. to fire? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. What oh. doesn't kill you make you stronger? I'm on fire! Uh, hmm. I need to give this some, uh, some loving <laughs> some tits some tits <laughs> thanks john man i don't know what's going on with these but i cannot for the life of me get these uh these new boostagram sounds to to work I mean, servo and i have been working in a back channel about it i'm not sure what, what the hell is going on that's not cool yeah i did everything the way i thought i was supposed to did everything right I did everything right. I followed all your goddamn rules. You fucked me anyway. You fucked me anyway. <laughs> you fucked me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we, big shout out to Servo. I'm, I'm sorry that you're dealing with that. Servo Booberry, they're, they're taking care of this Boostagram situation. I know that the Boostagrams are coming through. And we really want to showcase the new Boostagrams. And it's, it's not fair that they've taken this from us. No, not at all. Uh, at all and uh but yeah big shout out to fucking servo you know he's he, we got a bust of him in the green room he's an executive elitist around here and you know he's been initiated into the secret circles no doubt no Shit, doubt he is the circle you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> look at me i'm the circle now <laughs> And that's uh, that fits in perfectly with the uh, the some of the pre pre show music that we were listening to. I broke the circle. Think about that shit. Oh shit! It's come full broken circle. Mm, mm-hmm. You're ugly. You are disgusting. I'm gonna kill you. Give me two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we uh, this is the part of the show where we like to take the time to thank all the people that came out and helped produce this episode of Behind the Schemes. This is a value for value production, meaning that uh, we do everything for free so that uh, y'all can enjoy it. And if there's anything mm-hmm. that you enjoyed out of the show, we just ask that you just kill that motherfucking goat. Oh, oh, here it comes. <laughs> Good God Almighty. Hi, oh, baby. Yeah. How you doing? Floors <laughs> were looking a little clean. Yeah, that's uh Give me a boost. <laughs> no way. That is wicked. I love it. <laughs> we have a podcast, and you're listening to it right now. <laughs> it's rain and goats. Hallelujah. Ah, oh, wow. God damn it. <laughs> These floors are fucked. I know, dude. That linoleum, consider it toast. We thought it was goat blood proof. Tits. But nothing can withstand this onslaught of goat. One, two, three, four, five. 
six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven Tits. goats. Oh, God. God, God. Jeez. So many goats, so little time. Then and out are heard. Get away, get away. Oh. That should have worn a poncho. Tits. Yeah. Should have should have got a poncho for those tits. Jesus. Mm. Poncho for these tits. <laughs> these goat tits. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we'll suck from the bloody teat tonight. There's so much dead goat everywhere. Just absolutely eviscerated these goats. Wow. How many I lost count. How many the goats, was that? The uh, there was a there was like thirteen. Jesus. Thirteen goats dead. Ugh. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen goats. Wow. Jesus. A baker's dozen. God. Good God Almighty. There's what no a, God here. What a mess. <laughs> I love you. Don't tell your parents. What a mess. What a mess. We're gonna need more mops. Yeah, all 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 of the uh all of the next incoming boostograms we're gonna put towards a mop in a bucket. Yes. If you produce the show, you can help us with this just fucking catastrophe over here. We <laughs> these floors Oh man, this is awesome though. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, I like to bathe in it a little bit. No, no reason to let Sorry, good goat I just blood like, go waste. I just I got this just this image of you in a in your bro tank BTS shirt, <laughs> just like Carrie. And they got buckets. They're just dumping it on you and goat blood. And I'm sitting here and I'm trying to just. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Basically, that's what. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the idea. Someone, we need to get a bucketer, a buckety. I'm mm. the buckety, but I, we need a bucketer. Oh God, sounds weird. A bucket and a mop. That's a ass pussy. <laughs> eat it, eat it, eat it. <laughs> a cultured reference, mm. Sir Blueberry. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. So much goat. Can't wait. Gonna gonna imbibe. Well, uh, and that was Pitar with the 13 goats boosting from CurioCaster using that sweet, sweet live item tag, episode 114. <laughs> That's brilliant. What a, what a monster. Uh, then we had uh, 6,000 sats from Survey saying boo. He was using the boo CLI. That happened uh, right before intermission or right during intermission. I'm not sure. Boo. Boo. Yeah, Boo CLI. Thank you, Servo. And we had some other financial uh, donations come through that we should definitely uh, hit here. Uh, the The last one to come in uh, before the show started this evening, it was none other than Sir, Sir Seat Sitter of Abs uh, in a Six Pack fame. The one, the only, Sir, Sir Seat Sitter. He says, uh, he set, sent in a note saying... You're ugly. You're stupid. I'm gonna kill you. Give me two hundred dollars. Thanks for being my partners in crime throughout this battle of the douchebags saga. Did you hit me with that one, the the actual ISO? 
I, Dr. Phil. I can do that. Yes, we have the technology. You're ugly. You're disgusting. I'm going to kill you. Give me $200. Think about that shit. Thinking about it. <laughs> and Well, uh, thank you, man. Thank you for being our partner and as that, well. That donation that he sent in was uh, $50. Fitty. Fitty. He's sending about fitty. About $50. Uh, yeah, I don't have the ISAs in here, unfortunately, but I was like, wow, incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's quite the product that uh, that he dreamed up. It, it's been it's been super fun. Uh applying a little bit of science to it. Because even Rob Dew was like, you know, like, oh, do I want to go with my like banger clips first? Uh, like just knock them out of the ballpark or am I going to mm. need those for like further on in the round in the rounds? Excuse me. It's true. It's true. Uh, the strategy comes into play, but usually at the end of the day, you just have three dynamite clips. Yeah. I think the one you can afford to miss is the middle one, but maybe not. I don't know. It's hard to say. I, you know, I, 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 that's where I failed. You know, that's when Chris Cuomo got uh, knocked out was on that middle. I don't know. Some of these wins, I have to say, come in a, you know, there's, there's, it's not in a vacuum. There are things that kind of motivated or initiated a lot. Some of these wins, I would say like, uh, I don't know the, the, the name thing, Bill and Bill. Uh, and then what was the other one? Uh, it was joy and joy. So you got Bill and Bill, joy and joy. Yep. You know, certain things like that sometimes can influence it. But then again, we had Dr. Phil and Dr. Jill. And Dr. Phil and Dr. Lil. We had uh, Dr. Lil. Dr. <laughs> Phil and Dr. Lil. My Rugrats slip there. Um, we had Jack and Jill. Yeah, that is that true. I didn't, didn't really care. And they even faced each other. I faced myself in the semis. <laughs> <laughs> So either way, I only get one guy going ahead. Oh wait, but I don't know. How does the math work out there? Uh, anyway, well, you, you beat uh, you beat Chris and uh, Rob in the in, in your first rounds against them. It's not often that uh, Sir Seatsitter loses in the first round. I know, even with those uh, Doctor Phil clips. Yeah, which it was that was the closest one of the whole. That yeah. was true democracy. <laughs> yeah. There was. <laughs> There was like 49% of everyone was like, fuck that. Dr. Phil's the, the one. And then, you know, the others just thought, I don't know. Who knows what darkness lurks in the hearts of trolls? Uh, the second person that came in with a, with their monthly donation was uh, Tunta uh, with $3.33. Thank you, Junta. And you can go over to mousybear.com. You can get yourself some holistic, natural gummies that are mm-hmm. very tasty. Very good. And very legal. Indeed, and they come in very legal, uh, behind-the-schemes shapes, if you so desire, among other shapes. Mm-hmm. But you can always get them with the BTS shapes, which are like alien heads and pyramids. Uh, oh. Skulls and pyramids, I believe. Or, I'm sorry, skulls and pyramids, not alien heads and pyramids. Skulls and pyramids. And then they we kind of look like alien heads. They got the gray well, look because they're the big bulbous. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm just defending my position. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, 
I'm, I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, this fucking, what's the connection? I'm sorry. Let's continue. <laughs> well, you know what they say about those conspiracy theorists? <laughs> yeah. They're like psychics. Yeah, basically. Um, the next person that we had was Sir Manny, and he's got his monthly donation of uh, $6.66. It's the uh, evil donation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sir Manny. Well, you are well and uh, and doing good. Hell yeah. 66. Shik, shik, shik. The regular donations, of course, mean everything to us. It's very kind of you for you guys to have a subscription, which is possible. No doubt. And uh, we were informed by Mary Kate Ultra and Make Heroism that there's a uh, there's a sale going on. Quote, to some, BTS might stand for back to school, and everyone knows that means it's time to do some shopping for the latest, uh, latest styles. Lucky for you, we've got BTS deals going on over at BehindTheSchemes.Threadless.com. Mm-hmm. Some excellent designs, if I may say so myself. You may say uh, so. And in a variety of styles and colors. It really is a, a full outfit. And, oh my god, I got the, the Dare one today. Oh, nice. <laughs> the Dare one and the MTV one I got today. Because I was, they're just so good. I, uh, might, I might have to get myself one of them uh, BTS uh, MTV bro tanks. That's exactly... That's the way. It's too bad, you know, because summer's coming to a close. But man, next summer. Oh boy. <laughs> Grow tank season only comes once a year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wear it out in the Minnesota winters with my diamond hard nipples. Yeah, I know. You're you're a a, a mountain man, you see. <laughs> yes. The, yes. <laughs> impervious to the elements. Uh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's awesome. So thank you so much, uh, Mary Kate Ultra, and Make Heroism. It's such such value. Thank you very much. And the sale is is dynamite. Yeah, and that's behind the schemes. Schemes spelled with e's. So s c uh, excuse me s c h e m e s. Yeah, just spelled normally. Behind the schemes dot list dot com. That's the one. Well, we also had a, some uh, photo submissions throughout the week. Uh, we had one from Anon, uh, Anon, excuse me, that uh, someone wrote BTS on their car window. Fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it has like some sort of code above it. The, and, the, the dash is above. And then, uh, who was this? I think it was Lone Wolf sent in a uh, an image, uh, one of the AI-generated images. Mm-hmm. Which yep. looks like a lot. It looks like one Fletcher had done up. Um, so I need to go back and and see uh, how how they were able to get them looking so similar. Yeah, we should see what their prompts were and uh, let's see. Yeah, compare them there. This one looks almost like it, except that for the man in, in the suit mm. and a little bit of a color change. But other than that, yeah. I wish I could remember which episode that was. Hmm. We should call up. Sir John Fletcher. See where he's at. The uh the last one oh yeah, Sir Oma sent in a dial tone action figure. <laughs> That's um, right, it was Sir Oma that did this. Uh, tell me about sorry, what were you just gonna say? I was gonna say that you're known as dial tone in the OBDM circle, are you not? That's my G.I. Joe name. 
This is your given G.I. Joe name. This isn't something that he came up with. This is something that they gave, they they bestowed upon him. Yep. I asked if I could uh, finally get a, a G.I. Joe name. I uh, do artwork for the show regularly, call in when I can. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting the hankering. I want to be a, I want to be a real, a real American hero. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know. I want to know. I want to know. He really loves me. Say uh, prayer with every heartbeat. Heartbeat. <laughs> I fall in love <laughs> every day. I'm asking you because you know about these things. 80s are back always. Never mm. ends. They're perpetually back. <laughs> the boys are always in town. I've heard that song uh, <laughs> way more times than you would ever expect. <laughs> <laughs> and I expect thousands of times, so. Easy. It has to be more than that. Uh, 16 times a week times 18 months. Times 18 months. Ooh. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, so four times 18 times 16. Woof. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> well, let's hope you can get your way out of that situation someday. Uh, Please what's stop. The, what's this? Uh, is that a zucchini? So this is an eggplant. So the final uh, image that we have here in the in the producer list is something that was given bestowed upon me by Make Heroism and uh, MK Ultra. It really was MK Ultra that did it. Mary Kate Ultra. At least she's the one who gave it to me. They might have both worked on it. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. But Junta and her were having like a back and forth of giving each other awards. And she made Junta an award. It was like a participation trophy. It was like the most awardy award for Junta. Those are important, man. Yeah. And so I, for their contributions, I gave them an award. And it was the Royal Happy Eggplant. Oh, wow. I've and heard that's not an easy one to get. No, it isn't. It's an award you literally have to grow yourself. It's not, you don't just buy it at the store. Um, and it's a very happy eggplant. It's got two arms raised up in joy and excitement. And it's a fantastic award. Mary Kate Ultra turned into the best awards, awards, awards award. <laughs> I love it. So thank you. That's really kind of you. And I'm honored to be honored with such an honor. Thank you. That is, that's, I mean, that's some, I've heard that, uh, you know, these things, they have more clout than a Nobel Peace Prize. They just might. You know, Nobel's played out. He invented dynamite. He's a dick. Who cares? Yeah, fucking Obama got the Nobel Peace Prize before he was even in, inaugurated. Yeah, <laughs> all he did was look at Europe. And Europe was like, oh, yeah, 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 here you go. It's worth nothing, people. And you don't even get that much money, from what I understand. Yeah. Tens of thousands? Cool. Great. Melt that shit down, man. <laughs> <laughs> just pay me in gold, would you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just boost me, okay? <laughs> Slaughter all my goats, all right? We gotta get rid of them. We need more goats. They're birthing more goats all the time. I don't think we had anybody else, but uh, if you want to help support public radio, head over to BehindTheSchemes.com, S-C-H-3-M-3-S, and uh, <laughs> get in get in on the action. Yes. Yes. No doubts. 
Who doesn't want to be a freak? Yeah. Yeah. I got a voicemail, and then we'll uh, get into some of the clips I got. Very well. Man, Collar, you sound like you're shifting gears through the dimensional planes. Yeah, and also warming up for an intergalactic opera. I bet. Uh, you know uh, what? I bet that dude is traveling to that intergalactic opera in that uh, vehicle that was in the beginning of Heavy Metal. Bam, 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 bam. Yep. Agreed. That's- or, like Pitar says, maybe he was just, you know. A little backed up. <laughs> you never know. Call you her. never know on these on these late night shows. Can we help? <laughs> yeah, call her. <laughs> call twice if you need assistance. <laughs> I can't see you blinking. <laughs> well. <laughs> they're probably like they're so satisfied and crying at the same time yeah tell us you're gonna be in this goat's blood yeah <laughs> fucking ruin everything close everything it's blood 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 I have uh, a series of videos to get through actually alright um you know I've been thinking about, uh, and this is something that I feel like we have discussed uh, at length before. But um, you know, being a being a conspiracy theorist, it's not just a one party or one side of the brain minded um, endeavor. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. all I would agree. all sorts of people can be a quote unquote conspiracy theorist. We, of course, are conspiracy hypo- uh, hypothesizers. Mm-hmm. So we take it in a little more of a, in an esoterical sense, you know, it's, it's all still being figured out and we yeah. certainly don't have any definitive answers as it stands because, well, you know, we just don't have the money to put uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars into research and development. Yeah. We can't hire a bunch of college kids to go hurt themselves for data. I know it's unfortunate, man. It really uh, one is. day, yeah. one day. Don't worry. Baby steps. But yes, you're right. I think that there are levels of conspiracy theorists. I think that there are people that are just balls to the wall nuts. And then there's just an in-between. There's a there's a balance, you know? There's just critical thinking that's frowned upon. And people who don't want to kind of acknowledge some of the darker, nastier aspects of life would just prefer that, you know, oh, bah, that doesn't exist. And, you know, you're an idiot if you think that it does. Or you're a, th- a conspiracy theorist. Well, I actually have clips from a, a quasi-hella-famous conspiracy theorist, if uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no. This is a, a an interview 
from 1998, featuring none other than Mad Fucking Max himself, Mel Gibson. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Captain Based himself. Yeah, he, you know, he had his uh, his meltdown back in the late aughts, and he was kind of shunned by the whole that is Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason that we're going to step through these clips is um, I think he is a individual that uh, highlights this mentality of paying attention and noticing that just something's a little off, right? Mm. Um, here's my first clip. It's called Cockroach Resilience. So what would you say was the good news about Hollywood right now? Being very actively in the middle of it. I think... What's right about it? The best thing about it is that, um, you know, I, I grew up, and I guess you grew up in an industry that happened somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I succumbed to the charm of film and filmmaking, and, and, uh, um, and I love it, mm -hmm. and I love telling a story, and I love everything about it. Mm -hmm. Even the crappy things about it I kind of like. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it kind of, I guess it gets almost to a question of like kind of a religion. Mm -hmm. Mecca for filmmakers is this industry here. Mm. It's where there's the biggest pool. It's wherever, it's the watering hole where everyone comes to see, to measure up, mm. to include themselves in the pool, mm. their talent, and that collective uh, thing. It, it's like you go to the smorgasbord to feed your um, your need to work and your need to tell stories and your need to express yourself, whatever form is, it takes. Is there a collective uh, ethos or... Um, somebody once said my problem was I didn't understand the social contract here. I now understand what that means. Yeah. Do you understand it? The social contract? Yeah. I, th I think I do. Yeah. What uh, is it for you? Now, what do you think uh, the social contract of Hollywood is? Mm, it's such a weird... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there, I feel like that just came out of nowhere. He's talking about... He's really talking in a very benign terms. It's, it's a big pool, and it's like... It's a religion. It's Mecca. It's you know, it's where you got to go up to to size up against others in, in the industry that, you, that would be considered your peers and whatnot. I definitely like... I'm, but also I'm, express yourself. He puts it in, a, in kind of a, a, a light way, I think. Mm. It's not heavy. It's not, it's not that, you know, he's not saying it's a shithole or that it's full of evil people. He's saying, hey, you know, people come here to express themselves and do whatever it is that they're trying to do. And this guy comes out of there with that question. Well, let's, uh, we'll, we'll continue. Uh, the social contract. You can't get mad. Mm -hmm. You can't get mad. You can't let it get you. Because you have to have, you have to make a deal with everyone else, and it's almost unspoken, that you are going to be fucked over at some point <laughs> by people who you may have done something nice for. Mm-hmm. And it may happen that by circumstance, or even very purposefully, that you fuck someone over. But that shouldn't get in the way of you being able to sit down and have fun with them. <laughs> you, am I on the right track? Absolutely. 
you, you can't build a resentment about it. Mm -hmm. You have to still try and love those people. Yeah. Because that's the way they're thinking. Because it ain't personal. No, it's not personal. They don't really mean to hurt you. No. Not really. I don't quite understand. Well, I mean, there's a lot of motivations for why it sure. happens. Yes, many. I mean, money will make you do stuff as well, won't it? I mean, yes. one, them, us, yes. you know. Yeah, well, yeah. whoever. If there's many millions riding on a decision, it's hard to be philosophical. Yes. Yeah, yeah very, very yeah. hard. Very hard to be, you know, you, <laughs> you have to choose what level of integrity you're coming in at. And Okay. Uh, and I've often felt it. I've sat there and I have felt the knife slipped firmly in between my shoulder blades and tried to have it shoved through the other side through my heart. And I've actually felt the whole thing and I've gone, ah! Mm. Wait till next week, you know? Or I'll think you fucking, and, for, and you'll resent it for a little while, mm. then you have to let it go. Otherwise you'll, you'll eat yourself alive here. Mm. And I think it takes that kind of cockroach resilience to survive in this town. Now, I can't remember uh, what was the root of his expulsion um, back in the 2000s, but it was some sort of meltdown, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Well, he, he definitely had <laughs> some, very, uh, some very embarrassing phone calls, voice messages leaked. Oh, that's he, never good. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't heard them, they're intense. Um, He's calling us, I mean, they're also fucking hilarious. They're like so funny that I can't listen to them and not just laugh the whole time. He calls to his wife. He's divorcing his wife. And he's like, ah, 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 fucking whore. He fucking, and just goes nuts. And, you know, uses the N word and various other slurs. See, he broke his own rule. He got mad. Oh, he's a, he's a total fucking psycho fireball. I mean. But they all are in their own way. They just they have a way of expressing it outside of the uh, the workplace, or whatever. But he's right though. Hollywood is built on the fact that everybody's trying to make a buck. Everybody's trying to come out on top. It's a city built entirely on vanity, and mm. that you just have to fucking deal with the fact that people that that it isn't personal. You know, they're just working. Yeah, they're just trying to get by. Better yeah. to do it to someone else than to have it done to you first. And I like what he says, how you can fuck over people and they're supposed to do the same for you. That's the that's the back pay of the uh, of the contract, you know, of this social issue is like social issue, social contract. You get to do that. You get to be the dick and people still have to sit down and have and break bread with you. That's I've never heard it like put like that before. That's very interesting. Well, we'll uh we'll continue here because in this next clip he's gonna talk about the general vibe, the air around everybody when uh when he showed up and um he'll be referencing that classic scene when you walk into the bar and everything stops, the piano stops, all the heads turn. Mm. Very spooky. I mean, this is a bizarre place. Um and it doesn't take very long if, if, and I'm sure you've experienced this if you've stayed here for any length of time. You come in, you're fresh from the outside, you're off the boat from the farm, still got shit on your shoes, you're in here, people are charmed by that, mm. that you've still got shit on your shoes. Uh, they're charmed by the fresh approach you bring to it, and that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. 
but they're also stroking the shit out of you, you know, mm -hmm. licking you all over. And, and that's kind of good for you, too. That's great. But it doesn't take very long before you realize, or before it gets to you, it's cascading on you all the time. You can't get away from certain attitudes, from certain modes of behavior that this town and the industry dictate. And no matter how strong you are, when you come in off the farm mm. with those convictions and, those, and a certain line of attack, no matter how strong you are, you are going to be affected by this place. Mm. No, I've, it's I've, going to divert you from where you were going. Sure. You're going to be diverted. Mm. When I came over here, I was, oh God, I was in my, my uh, mid-twenties. Right. The first time I really came over here. You know, I had a whole bunch of weird paranoid suspicions about what the hell was going on because there was a lot of stuff I couldn't understand. Right. Um, and nobody was really bothering to explain it to me. They don't. <clears throat> and it... it Tits! And I formed a bunch of <laughs> opinions about the town and about the people in it that were like, surely that couldn't be because a whole place can't be like, you know, weird town, you know, where the stranger wanders in and, and all the people are in the bar and they all shut up when he looks at them and, mm -hmm. and they tell you don't go out of the house on the hill and it's like that. Mm -hmm. And then you go away and you think, no, that's, I was wrong. I mean, that's insane thinking. I'm paranoid. I imagined that stuff. That couldn't be the reason for why so-and-so was acting like, could it? Mm -hmm. And then you find out later on the track that you are exactly on track mm -hmm. with a lot of this stuff. Not specifically on no, track, no. but that you could, uh, that some of your worst nightmares were real at the time. And you think, oh. mm -hmm. now this is what I mean by actually starting to swim up or downstream with the rest of the salmon, mm. you know, eventually, if you stay here long enough, yeah. you'll find yourself doing that. Um, and you have to... There's a way of doing it without doing it. Mm. That takes time. Mm. Uh, and it takes relaxation. Mm. Not being uncomfortable about not being uncomfortable realizing it for what it is projecting understanding what it is once you understand it well then you're not afraid of it anymore mm -hmm. so you can just walk around it and through it and, mm -hmm. and then get on with what you tried to get on with in the first place swimming with the salmon <laughs> yep not in control of your own destiny you're trying to blend in <laughs> Or just be part of the system. Be part of the machine. I'm super curious what Mel Gibson's worst nightmares are. Oh. Oh. I don't know. Strikes me as a guy who... Maybe he has one funny, irrational fear. He doesn't want to drown in bugs or something. Oh, man. <laughs> Do I have a rude awakening for him? <laughs> I mean, maybe that's not irrational. Maybe, I mean, obviously, you don't want to drown in bugs, but... That would be horrifying. It would be terrible. It would be awful. <laughs> awful. But who thinks of something like that? A monster. What kind of asshole would think of something like that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's no good, man. Mel's great, dude. Mel's so fucking... I, I'm going to use a, a term the kids use. Based. It's quite based. But, you know, there's nothing... Is there anything that is 
conspiracy minded that he's necessarily laid down? Is there anything that you as as, as in as an unbiased uh as unbiasedly as you can, do you think he's being a, a nut job, a conspiracy theorist? I think he I don't think he's talked about anything that he doesn't know about intimately himself. Mm. And when he talks about Hollywood and when he talks about whatever, you have to understand that he's worked in that industry for decades. And there's no reason why he wouldn't know as much as anybody. And I think whenever he really gets in trouble, it's it's the big two in Hollywood. You know, you can't you can't say slurs, essentially, is what it breaks down to. You right. can't call people names and you can't get mad. Like you said, you can't get mad. You can't get mad, baby. And if you start going around and saying, oh, you're a fucking, you know, whatever, to people's faces and calling them and screaming at them, then um, these people will ruin your life. Or they won't, you know. If, if For a guy like him who has his own clout, he can make his own movies, he can go, he can go to the Cannes Film Festival and people will give him money. And he probably has enough money to make a film in the first place and he has a finished product and he just goes to film festivals and says, who wants to buy this? And he has that sort of um, that cloud. It's over nine thousand. Yeah. Oh, got it. You did it, ladies and gentlemen. We got him. Feels good, man. Uh, Feels good, man. I'm gonna whip myself now. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a celebration, people. It's the little things, man. This is what makes me rich in my life. Wealth beyond compare. God, th- this, like, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi wishes that she had these highs. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, she does. <laughs> Tits. Exactly. Thank you, JCD. <laughs> Appreciate that. Well stated, John. Well yes, stated. well stated. If we ever have him on, that's what we should make the... Uh... <laughs> Yes. Helipad sound. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Something quick and sharp like that is perfect for him. Tits. Every time. Let's oh, see here. Um, so this, uh, you know, he's never going to name names, but uh, he'll certainly describe them the Which way they is look. another rule, by the way. Yeah. Not naming names. Yeah, no doubt. A place like this can humiliate you. Mm-hmm. And it can be... It can either yep. it can humiliate you. It can be humbling. I mean, it, it does rip it's your life to pieces. Thing. Does it? If you'll let it. Yeah. And it's always pounding at the walls. It's yeah. the, these little guys, these little heathens with no soul downstairs with horns on their head with a battering ram trying to like beat your walls in. Yeah. But that's your own devils, you know. Yeah. I mean, as a matter of interest, do you think it's easier because you're an outsider who came in? I think so. Yeah. Because. It was glaring to me because I was an outsider who came in. But who isn't an outsider yeah. coming into this? Mm. That means, based on that last statement, everybody that comes into it is an outsider and is uh, getting oh, yeah. churned up and just fucking chewed right through the machine. Through the machine, exactly. excuse me. I think there's two sides to it. There's the massive amount of people that are trying to do it and the whole ist- industry that's built up in Hollywood. But at the end of the day, these big studios are run by families, small families, small groups of people that have, and then of course they're the corporate people that buy into it, China, the CIA, mm-hmm. you know, 
you got that element, the external element, but the internal element, the people that actually run the day-to-day operations of that industry are old families that have lived in Los Angeles for fucking over 100 years now. They're the ones who built Hollywood. Yep, and ain't that old of a place. No, it really isn't. And and when you go there, if you've ever been to L.A. and you spend a good amount of time there, you know people from L.A., you learn that it really is a small town as much as it's a large town and that there's a ton of money there and old money. And it, it runs deep, that whole pool, even if the L.A. River itself does not. <laughs> Ayo. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness uh yeah. so i do have uh i'm doing okay on time um i do have this uh clip where he's talking about meeting christopher walken if you're interested i am interested yeah it's a bonus clip so i wasn't sure and you'll know within 15 minutes if this is a person you want to work with now i should say that this is earlier in the uh in the interview they're talking about the whole um audition process and how it can be particularly brutal on uh on people auditioning uh the mental the physical the constantly just getting shit thrown at you day after day after day you know and years uh depending on the you know proclivities of some of the people involved with the casting totally independent on what your sex may or may not be you know Mm -hmm. you could always run into a a casting couch, uh, couch situation, which everybody is is totally on board with the idea that casting couches exist for some reason. And uh, that, it happens at all these. I mean, Harvey Weinstein's the proof that no matter how big you get, you have to do shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I the way I, or the reason I say it like that is, you know, it's everybody's on board with this idea that. You know, there's a lot of sexual abuse that goes into making these movies. It greases a lot of the wheels. But, you know, the idea that it just stops there. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I'll just blow some genitalia just so I can get this movie roll. You know, or let people, I mean, make people look at my egg-shaped penis, right? <laughs> well, he's the guy that's financing the movie. The the egg penis man. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you have to suck the egg if you want to be in the movie. That's, you know, that's the competitive edge. Like, okay, sure, you're good looking, you're talented, so is a lot of other people. You know, what can you do for me? Yeah. <laughs> Honey, I got an, I got a thousand other carbon copy clones of your ass. <laughs> I got a stack of headshots <laughs> to reach up to my fucking ceiling, sweetheart. But there's only one that's willing to look at this egg-shaped dick. <laughs> <laughs> That could be you. You could be that lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> this could be you. <laughs> it's horrible. You ready for the big time? Yep, yep, I know, I know. It's well, horrible. It's, it's what it's like, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's no good, man. Unless you get really lucky. Uh, so that that's what um, leads into this question, or this part of the conversation. He's like, you know, 15 minutes of just talking to a person you know if you want to work with them or not. Mm-hmm. And you'll know within 15 minutes. If this is a person you want to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Christopher Walken, first time I ever did a casting session in America, yeah. terrified me. Me too. I mean, I'd, fucking hell. I came I'd, to meet the guy. They said, oh, he's flying, he's flying in from God knows where. Yeah, but he didn't miles. need a plane, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he didn't need a plane. He came in, he was doing all the kind of Scorsese oh. stuff. 
And I said, have you had a chance to read the script? And he looked at me and he said, do you like my face? And I went, yes. And he said, well, that's fucking great. Because if you don't, get uh, De Niro. Fuck you, I'm out of here. And stood up and walked out. <laughs> and everyone said, well, that I think was quite a good meeting. No, he came to see me on a rooftop in New York. I said, hey, can I, can I talk to you? And he said, sure. And he, he floated in mm. sideways mm. through a crowd of people. He was wearing black. And it was like one of those old vampire movies where they don't walk, but they glide. Mm. And he was a dancer, you know, so he has <laughs> yeah, very, he's very, um, um, you know, graceful. Yeah. And he moved sideways and he just sat down in a chair next to me. And it kind of frightened me. Mm. Um, and he's a very smart guy. Mm. And we started talking and I didn't, you know, say much of anything about reading the script, nothing. I just started talking about the Middle Ages and, mm. and he... Um, and he began to talk tortures. And we swapped yes. tortures, because I'd read this book on torture. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I tried to recall some of the most heinous things I'd ever read in this book. And, and he was like, oh, oh, and he'd try and top it. <laughs> and, it, it got, and my assistant was there, and he left, because he, he couldn't stand it anymore. Yeah. The, the air had turned cold. Mm -hmm. And then he left, and I, I wanted to leave. <laughs> and because I knew that I didn't want to work with him. Yeah. And he was getting scary. Yeah. And then I turned around and it was on top of the Peninsula Hotel. I turned around to avoid his steady gaze at one point. Yeah. And I was looking at a building with the top of the sixes on it. So there was a huge illuminated triple six, six in red. Yeah. And I went from that to that to that and he, st he started smiling. Yeah. And I thought, oh no. Chris Walken is the Antichrist, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? It was a fun clip. I, uh, <laughs> Dude, how do you not get in trouble talking like that, you know? Yeah. It's, it's funny. He doesn't give a shit. And you know about Walken. You know Walken's reputation with, uh, with the... Uh, with the boat? With the boat. Natalie Wood and... The the legend goes that Natalie caught walking and and her husband like banging <laughs> the side of a boat or something and they threw her in the water. Well, um, <laughs> I don't, uh, you know, hmm. he was an old Broadway guy. Walking was from the the streets of New York. Man, he came from a rough Broadway background. I guess I mean, uh, well, I, I'm I'm just I'm a little taken aback. I I've not uh, I wasn't familiar with the with that angle, but it's interesting. Um, and this would have been '70s, right? Yes, uh, uh, actually '60s. '60s, yeah. You certainly couldn't let that information out. No, and and you know things were a little easier to get away with back then. Hmm. Not as many cameras around. That is true. That is, right. <laughs> here's a, here's Chris walking in the back. Die, 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 get away, get away. <laughs> is that Carrie? No, uh, a YouTuber by the name of Markiplier. Oh, okay. Uh, I got to just address C-dubs in the chat. I, I was making a uh, Ferris Bueller joke. You killed the carb, because uh, the bowl of a bong has the carb. And and it was you killed the car. I'm explaining the joke. Oh, you killed the car. And because they were making the Bueller, I thought I don't know. I was trying to be clever. 
But uh, yeah, I get it. It's a it's a bong bowl. The anatomy of a bong one on one. What are the different parts of a bong? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so sorry. The uh, the next video that we're going to take a look at also features a uh, a member of Hollywood who's not you know he doesn't necessarily have the reign that he did at uh, at one time. This is actually funny enough. Uh, another Saturday night. Live alum. If you're about to play what I think you're about to play, I've seen this, and I'm, I'm glad that you clipped this. Well, let's find out. Then the real Hollywood came. And I'll tell you what. I'll let you in on a little something, but I'm not going to drop names. Okay. But I'll never forget, the, the, these are black producers, uh, a guy named Kevin Brown mm -hmm. and Andre Brown, uh, and he was later on 30 Rock, but he, they would come to us, and they would tell us about vanity and losing your mind in Hollywood and be careful. And they came back from Hollywood to try and expand us. And they sat us down they're like, you ain't gonna believe what we saw. And like, what was you see? <laughs> and they said, we saw so-and-so, huge name, so-and-so, huge <laughs> name, and so-and-so, big name back in the day, chicken hawking. At a party, and I went, what, what? See, you're white. I, I said, What's chicken hawking? Everyone, ah, he's white. He don't know chicken. I said, What's chicken hawking? <laughs> That's when you are uh, hanging out with boys at a transvestite. I went, What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, see, now, you, now you're telling stories. Now you're telling stories. Yeah. But I never forgot that. Three years later, this name, Ping! Went, oh, huh. Busted one, chicken hawking. That one's sick. This one, bing, busted. Yeah. Huh. They swept that up. Hmm. Was it the one you were thinking of? Yeah, it was. Nice. Jim Brewer. Fucking <laughs> the, the great Jim Brewer, dude. On a Theo Vaughn show this weekend. That's right. He's on Theo Vaughn's. Yeah. 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 Because uh, it's it's incredible. It's it's like you don't believe it because it's just too crazy. If people really did that, they'd get in trouble. But the truth is, is apparently there's some system in place where that just fucking goes on and it's okay. Now it's it's interesting because he said Brewer said that they got sick, uh, but he didn't specifically state from what. I'm curious if this person had contracted aids or not which person exactly sorry the when he's he's good he goes huge name huge name big name back in the day then you know uh, he's talking about these three uh anonymous um the big stars yeah, yeah. tits and he says one got sick one got busted and they brushed them both under the rug Oh, so by the sick one you think might have gotten AIDS or I'm curious. I mean, I I don't know. It's a, it's a speculation for sure. Hmm. hmm. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, earlier you brought up vanity, uh, which is one of the <laughs> it's like the one of the three part mix that that fuels the the Hollywood machine. Yeah, and, and Brewer makes a good case on it. Yeah. Do uh, you want to still check it out? Oh, absolutely. Huh, they swept that up. That's what I call, uh, to me, Hollywood's a mafia. It's a big, dark mafia. Yeah, it is. And then what happens is, 
I remember one of them, it was like, the mobsters come, they're like, we understand, not mobsters, like Italian, right, right, right. whatever, You're talking whatever about, gang yeah, you want to The call. attorneys, yeah. Right? And they come along like, listen, you sign this, you do some movies there, we'll put the soul on the table, we got enough money to make this go away. Ping, it's gone. No one ever brings it up. No one ever brings it up with this person. That's crazy. And there's two or three of them. Huge. Huge. But I guess what I'm saying is by the time I started doing Sonic Live and Half Baked, blah, 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 and, and TV thing, you know, Tim Allen, all this shit, it was, that's when I really saw how dark and so, it's just, it was dark. It, it's I get creeped out. I get scared to death. It was soulless. Yeah. Never seen anything. It And I still, every time I get out there, I feel like, oh, man, I just, I don't feel life out there. Yeah. I don't feel it at all. You know what? I know I've always said when I get off the plane there, I feel like I'm in the office. It always, like, um, I just feel like I'm in an office constantly. It always, every light feels like a fluorescent light. It feels like it never ends. Um, but it's hard to find a, it is, it's hard to find a comfort out there. But there's always this dangle of a carrot. Yeah. And it's a carrot. And I don't even know what it is because, like, it's vanity. It's vanity. It's vanity. Is it? Vanity. You know you want this. Right. You know you want this. You're better than so-and-so. You know you're better than so-and-so. You get this, then it'll be worth this. Yeah. And then your and then your road will be worth this. Yeah. You want to be you think that person deserves to be in arenas or on billboards? You should be on take you want it. <laughs> it's horned heathens, man. <laughs> Is it? He's right though. It's and, and it's like it goes back to the Mel Gibson thing. You have to go through all those shitty auditions over and over with the idea of, yeah, I deserve this. I deserve to be on television. And you, you hear from people that tell you, your family members or whatever, oh, you're so good. You're way better than so-and-so. You should be on television. You know, you could do that. You and, know who you look like? <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, you're like the next Philip Seymour Hoffman. You know, you got to go out there and do it. And these guys think that, and they go through shitty audition after shitty audition for years and years. Brewer's different because he's a comedian. Uh, I would I would consider him a comedian over an actor, and he got his acting roles through being a comedian. And he was part of that generation of comedians that came up through the improv circuit, like Chris Farley did in Chicago, which is where a lot of... That's, that's a traditional, classic comedy route. You go to Chicago, and you, you basically apprentice yourself and then after a while, you get invited to New York, or you move to New York, or you make moves, or whatever. But he did that. Mel, Mel Gibson was an actor. <laughs> well, and director and producer. Uh, didn't he do The Passion of the Christ? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, later in life, he... Oh, for sure, for sure. He, he became, yeah, all those things. He's well, a producer I mean, and... He was so Australian that they overdubbed his voice in the American release of Mad Max. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I learned though is that he's he was born in the United States. Oh, he was born. I, I always thought he was Australian my whole life, and I found out that he was actually born in New York. Wow, so fucking weird. Because I thought he made Mad Max in Australia, which he did with uh, uh, Miller. What's the guy's name? Uh, George Miller. Greg George Miller. Miller. George Miller. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 
and George Miller, Australian. And then I thought that he made he became famous from that and got a paycheck, and then he moved to L.A. and became Mel Gibson. The Mel Gibson we all know and love. Mm. But uh, just a, a very quick aside. Uh, this this in from uh, this just in from No Agenda Social. We have a movie recommendation from Widow Garrett. All right. Uh, this movie is called Day of the Locust. The Day of the Locust. Yeah. It's uh, got an Art Deco movie poster that yeah. I like. Uh, she, she said, a brutal look complete with an evangelist. Ooh. Uh, an art director in the 1930s falls in love and attempts to make a young woman an actress despite Hollywood who wants nothing to do with her because of her problems with an estranged man and her alcoholic father. Mmm. I like it. I will add it to the list right now. Easy. Easy. Thank you, Widow Garrett. That's very kind of you. Very cool. Very legal. Very legal. I might make you a little freak of hazard tonight for that recommendation. Thank you. And this uh, last clip from Jim Brewer, it just uh, gets more into what was going on with him, when, uh, or just in general, like, what happens when you hit the big time. Also, you know, take notice, like, he was he was talking from the perspective, uh, or perspective of the casting director, producing, uh, producer, agent, what have you. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, you're so much better than this other person. Like, think about that just knife in the back that uh, Gibson was talking about. You know, fucking over your friends. Mm-hmm. And then having dinner with them the next night. Being like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> On some red carpet with each other. He's got his own church. Did you see this from Widow Garrett? Mel Gibson has his own church. What? The Church of the Holy Family in Agoura Hills, California. I mean, you know, he made the Passion of the Christ, so it's obvious that this guy is deeply religious. Christian. And um, to make a movie like that in Hollywood, you know, the, the two the two big ones that you can't really fuck with are the uh, you know people of color and uh, Jewish people. You know, those are the two things that you really can't make movie. I mean, unless you're talking about the Holocaust or something, you know. <laughs> and he's definitely pushed that a bit. I think in his personal life. This uh, church that he's set up is uh, Seed Seed Vaticanism? Second Vatican Council, Second Vaticanism? Yeah, Second Vatican. Uh, well, it's all one word, S-E-D-E. Oh, Sedevacinist. Sedevacinist? Yeah. Catholic Chapel. It's a doc- doctrinal position with the traditionalist Catholicism, which holds that the present occupier of the Holy See is not a valid Pope uh, due to the Pope's espousals of one or more heresies and that, therefore, for lack of a valid Pope. Uh, the See of Rome is vacant. So they're like an Orthodox c- Catholic Church. Uh, a Reformist Catholic Church or a back-to-basics Catholic. That's interesting. Hmm. Set of va- set of vacantism. Set of vacantism. Uh, interesting. Thank you very much. That's Widow Garrett. Yes, came around in uh, the nineteen sixty-five. Around there, at least that's when it started kind of popping up. It looks like. And when she says Mel has his own church, does that mean that he started this church? 
We got to look into this later. This is this is interesting. Thank you, Widow Garrett. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh, come back to uh, Jim Brewer in the big time. There's a little that no, is, I believe that I'm that's thinking, what we're so as you're on. saying it. I'm thinking that I'm thinking I'm trying to feel like you know a lot of times things will land for me in my feelings. Like is it vanity? Is it? It's vanity. Yeah, it's something of An ego. It's ego and vanity. Yeah. yeah, it's ego. It's vanity. I want to be better than them. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not easy. No, it's not easy. Well, and I I think also you start to see the other like you start to see the other side of it too, where it just there's never like an understanding you never get to talk to the person to have the conversation about what's it's just there's never any real instructions it's all kind of vague it, you're the, right the business is vague the money is vague. it's all it's all vague and there's all extra people are always stacked in at the last minute you've never met <laughs> right and they are they're living and they've owned your family now they're just crazy your grandfather's now their grandfather it's like it's a non-stop scarface movie yeah, yeah you yeah. go to you got their money you got their oh seven of you <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. Ah! Ah! <laughs> what just happened? We think it was what's going on? They're cutting you. They're they're putting you in a commercial for bone saws as they're cutting <laughs> you in half. You know, put this dress on and, and take out your, take your pants off, and this is gonna get you big time. <laughs> yes, indeed. Put on the dress. Put on the dress. <laughs> Chappelle didn't put on the dress. Should have put the dress on. Should have put the. You know who did put the dress on? Mm. Uh, who's the Who's the uh, Kevin Hart? Kevin Hart and Kevin Hart. Um, oh, who's in Big Mama's house? Uh, God damn it. It Martin was Lawrence. Martin Lawrence. Yep. And Tyler and, Perry. Uh, Jamie Foxx. Tyler Perry made a career out of wearing the dress. Wow. What a time to be alive, huh? No doubt. Um, For this last... Uh, <laughs> this last set of clips, this guy that we're going to be listening to is having the time of his life because this is where it comes from full circle because what we started off with was uh, with was this idea that there exists conspiracy theorists so-called conspiracy theorists on both sides of the aisle right mm-hmm. i'm gonna be playing these clips they come from uh from vice the informer series are, are you familiar with this one i'm not okay so think of a dark room with a single uh overhead floodlight illuminating a figure in a hoodie with a latex human face mask and a um a voice changer a decoder mm, okay there's okay. a there's a lot of atmosphere and uh this guy worked at a hotel the hotel industry is a wild experience that helps you understand how disconnected the wildly wealthy are i've seen the darker side of humanity, suicides, murders, spousal abuse, human trafficking, that shit stays with you for a long time. One weekend, a large group of around 60-ish people, they wanted to purchase out the entire hotel so they could just turn it into a giant orgy. 
Uh, the cost of that property was upwards of $250,000 for two nights at a time. That says you've got money to spend. They left a nightmare room. Blood, feces, semen stains. One of my bellboys came up and was like, I've got a black light, I'm curious. He turned it on and I remember we like, we looked down and saw all the stains, we looked to the sides and saw them on the wall. At one point in the bathroom, we looked up and saw them all on the ceiling and we were just like, how, how do you do this? This is not human. Were you on the ceiling? I think I would give my left nut for that music bed that, that they use for this. <laughs> it's made in logic. This gentleman worked as a hotel concierge right, in a many, uh, many a different hotels, it sounds like, where he mm. would witness uh, elites coming together, super rich people. I would consider Hollywood celebrities. I mean, maybe this is where everything falls apart because I'm making the, the jump that somehow Hollywood uh, celebrities are somehow involved with this anonymous group of super rich people that this gentleman here are not... Um, in the mask is discussing, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe it's feasible that uh, there are people that are on the screen that like to get into the weird uh, scat fetishes at the local hotel. I, I don't know how anybody gets into that shit, literally. But um, it doesn't, for me, it just seems like old money shit. People that are so rich and so depraved that normal stuff doesn't do it for them anymore. And they've been driven to this extreme because they've had everything that they've ever wanted. You know, mm-hmm. the thrills just don't cut it like they used to. Yeah. It's the, it's the rock star thing, you know, rock stars that just get to have unlimited sex forever for years. And then they start doing weird shit because normal sex just ain't, you know, enough. It's escalation to the human mind. <laughs> the human sex experience <laughs> and uh you know who doesn't love who doesn't love a really good themed room most people who visit boutique hotels are not coming for business they're there for pleasure there was a group of fabulously wealthy individuals you can definitely get a sense of how much wealth they actually have when they're talking about things like buying a fleet of boeings in the lobby casually that doesn't sound very esg friendly no nor is it environmentally sound mm. <laughs> no doubt they would buy out this entire property they were spending as much as a luxury wedding and uh, it was basically a giant swingers orgy. We'd have people having <laughs> sex in the pool, people laying on our wine bars naked, a couple having sex on a balcony in plain view. So you're looking up at it, quite an angle. And every single room would have a different theme and a safe word posted outside of the door. The one that stands out to me was there's a mermaid themed room. It was actually kind of impressive, the details they went, so it was very like under the sea vibe. There was the Wild West room. There was the straight up BDSM room. One couple we had to talk to, while they were naked, they would purposely wait to start having sex until housekeeping wanted to clean the room. They wanted somebody to watch. The day <laughs> after they had all departed, I got a call from housekeeping saying that one of the showers is busted, and I go take a look at it, and they had hacksawed off the actual shower piece, the shower head, and attached a four-foot-long anal probe hose to it. Good God Almighty. On the other end. And uh, that was as disgusting as you can imagine. Uh, after all of the... Uh, the drama and mental scarring that we put up with for this this orgy buyout group 
probably between about 30 staff. I want to say we made 20 bucks in tips. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. That's the... How is that the worst part? Well, see, I'm... That's a, that's a really nice segue because uh, it's not this clip. Maybe it is this next clip. They <laughs> They get into the sort of racist overtones because of course only the um mexicans and blacks work is in the house cleaning department and of course it's only the 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 people that can speak well that work the front desk which is not my experience i have seen the gamut of people behind the front desk at a hotel i have it on good authority from firsthand firsthand experience (laughs) what about the fanciest hotels though Ah, you know? That's where they're going, right? They're going to like the Ritz. Yeah, I've never been at the Ritz. Never been Neither to the Ritz. I, so I don't <laughs> know who works at the desk at the Ritz. <laughs> Next time I'm by one, I'll check. <laughs> I'm looking to rent out a floor or two for a group of me and my friends. <laughs> yeah, that'll be $250,000. Okay, uh, be right back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um well shit man just uh <laughs> make, make sure you tip your wait staff 20 bucks that's so funny the problem <laughs> with working with the fabulously wealthy is that they often assume that the staff is there at their beck and call regardless of what the request is it was really common for the high rollers to approach attractive staff members and essentially just ask them Hey, if I pay you X amount of dollars, will you meet me in my room later tonight and fuck my brains out? That's a quote from someone, sadly. We had a very busty, gorgeous front desk woman at uh, one hotel, and someone came down and, and offered her quite a bit of money in front of management. And at the moment, she naturally declined. I have security cameras in all the halls, and seeing that person sneak out around 2 a.m. was definitely a little suspicious. The most shocking example was an incident where the wedding was around 2 p.m.-ish that day. Come nightfall, one of our event staff slept with the wife and ended up getting caught. It turned into quite a big deal with screaming and shouting and all this stuff. He hid in a bathroom in a supply closet until the heat died down. And then he just walked into the front office and clocked out like nothing ever happened. His, uh, His mom happened to be in charge of events, so she made sure he didn't get terminated. The demographics of the staffs who work at hotels are usually pretty evenly split. If you're an attractive white person who speaks English quite well, you're probably going to be reservations, front desk, something visual. If you're not of that ethnicity, just because they have an accent and that might not present well to your guests, your most likely bet is that you're going to get placed in housekeeping. If you're working at a decent property, you could probably get 10 to $15 an hour as a front desk host. If you're housekeeping, you're maybe getting 9 to 10 it, it was wildly unfair. We were actually advised to handle our housekeeping teams under the concept of divide and conquer, telling them, you know, oh, well, so-and-so's team's much better than yours. You should really try to keep up with the Mexican team. It creates that toxic environment. This prevented the entire housekeeping team from uniting together and presenting concerns. And I saw that kind of model in multiple hotels. It's time to unionize my brothers and sisters. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I only let that in there because I, I thought it was kind of a weird turn of events. We were talking about the 
swingers sex orgies. Mm-hmm. And then we were talking about the the pay gap, which if you're making fifteen dollars at a high end luxury hotel, uh, first of all, I question that. Second of all, why would you continue to work there if you're just going to be treated with literal human fluids, <laughs> you know, and having mm-hmm. to deal with people that are going to ask, uh, ask your your staff to either have sex with them uh, or to watch them have sex? You know, at some point, I feel like you would have to remove yourself from that situation, but I don't know. I don't know if... Is it a situation where, because obviously they don't have to do this regularly, it's just when the rich people come through for a party, but I imagine that there has to be an element, honestly, where these people, some of them go looking for it. At least if somebody comes up to him and says, hey, I'll give you 50 grand if you suck my dick in front of my wife, then, you know, there are people out there that are like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and Yeah, yeah I want know. a part in a movie. <laughs> Yeah, 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 or whatever, but, and especially in the service industry, I mean, if you're working at a hotel, or you work on a cruise ship, or you work in something where, you know, you're with the same people all the time, and you get all this kind of access to all this different stuff, you know, that sort of thing goes down, and it is a scene. Um, Mm -hmm. It reminds me, though, this all reminds me of a story that I heard about somebody who worked at, like, an Epstein type of, like, island type of situation, where a private party held on, you know, somewhere private property. Right. (laughs) By a very rich person. Behind the no trespassing sign. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of guards and lots of fences and no cameras. And they talked about how you, if you worked there, it was the understanding that you were getting paid well. But if you, if you say you're going around, you know, holding a tray of hors d'oeuvres and you're going around and you're handing out food or champagne, all it takes is for one person to eyeball you, come up to you and go, all right, you and me, we're going in the shed. And you have to do what they tell you. You have to agree. Um, and so people will go out of their way to not be out on the floor. They won't, they'll try to you know, stay in the kitchen or they'll stay out of people's way because they know that they might get caught up in that. And they're obligated to perform. Um, so I wonder, yeah, I mean, at the at the fanciest hotels in the land, there's got to be cir- uh, what not circles, but uh, networks that are in operation for that sort of thing. Yeah, feed into each other, kind of like casting agents to producers to <laughs> etc. <laughs> yeah, especially in L.A. Yeah, um, musical acts too. You know, music acts are the same thing. Yeah, remember the Pussycat Dolls? I do. Yeah, I mean, come on. They weren't just, you know. What were they? I don't know. I, I don't know, man. But I mean, it's not looking good, okay? <laughs> Yeesh. Where, where's my hip to be square button? Oh, um, yeah, hit me with it. Oh, you, you, I'm sorry. Come and say it again. What? Huh? I said, hit me with it. It's hip to be square. Ooh. <laughs> I, I made a short one and a long one. I hope you know. Well, was that the short one or the long one? That was the short one. You want the long one? If, yeah. You like Huey Lewis on the news? It's like- hip to be square. It's hip to be square. 
Nice. <laughs> and now you just heard the news, baby. <laughs> That's the news. <laughs> um. All right, this will be our last uh, last clip with this gentleman. I I hope you've enjoyed the journey, and um, you know there was a lot of, I guess, similar themes throughout these three videos that uh, that resonated. They kind of vibe together. Yes, they all do string together. Uh, but here's behind closed doors, which you know, if there's people, uh, you know, they shut the door and they're making deals and it's not necessarily for the good of you or me or anybody else. I mean, doesn't that kind of make it a conspiracy? I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't want, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. 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 Is that there are wild things happening behind closed doors every single day. For obviously wealthy individuals are wild. Everything happens behind closed doors at hotels. That's it. That's all she wrote. Behind closed doors. Behind the doors. Behind the doors. Hmm. Behind the whores. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. I shouldn't have said that. Oh my god, you can't say that anymore. I know. Well. Excuse me, but what the good is all the violence in the world unless it is tempered with limitless sex? Here, here. <laughs> no doubt. Um, I, uh, that's, I mean, you got any uh, parting thoughts on that one? Uh, no, I thought that was. That was cool. That was well put together. The, the three stories, but they were the same story. You mm. know what I mean? Very cool. Very legal. Um, we are at about time, but we have a we have a special report. Just we have to get this information out real quick. Uh, all over the world. Yes, yeah, all over the world coming through. Um, this article comes from. Uh, Americans for Tax Reforms. It was sent to me by Cadaver Eater, who has been a guest on this show way back in the beginning days. Ah. The Inspector General found that special agents not properly trained in the use of firearms could endanger the public as well as their fellow special agents and expose the IRS to possible litigation over injuries and damage. Yes. You don't say. IRS agents accidentally discharge guns more often than they intentionally fire them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Uh, there was a there was a report by the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration Special Agents at the IRS Criminal Investigation Division. Uh, these guys accidentally fired their weapons more often than they intentionally fired them, according to documentation provided by all 26 CI field offices in the NCITA and the I don't what are these acronyms T I G T A O I. <laughs> there was these a are long acronym names. What, what kind of organizations are these? I don't know. Uh, there was a total of eight firearm discharges classified as intentional use of force incidents, and eleven discharges classified as accidental. Um, for two years, two thousand nine to two thousand eleven. Hmm, that was a long time ago. I mean, I wonder what it's like now. Well, just multiply that by eighty-seven thousand. I think that'll oh, get okay. you pretty close. <laughs> 
Indeed. There, yeah, there are a total of 800 firearm discharges classified as intentional use of force. That's not true. That's not medical advice. I'm sorry. I'm spreading misinformation. This no is doubt. Interesting, though. Why should they be killing people at all for right. not paying taxes? Okay. Yeah, I'm done. Well, that's <laughs> that's kind of what governments do. Throw them in jail and throw them in prison and have them make paint for like a couple months and then let them back out again. Give them another shot. Come on. Uh, the audit also found uh, they did not take consistent and appropriate actions when a special agent failed to meet the requirements uh, for their firearm training or qualifications um, because their guidance is vague. In addition, there is no national-level review of firearm training records to ensure that all special agents meet the qualification requirements. No national-level review of firearms training records. For the, for the IRS and others. Nice. That's great. In three of the four accidental discharges that were not reported, the accidental <laughs> discharges may have resulted in property damage or pers- may have resulted in property damage or personal injury. No, that's pretty vague. And the uh, reports uh, had redacted bits in there. Oh, look. More redactions. The agents are authorized to carry weapons. They must meet certain firearms training. Yeah, they do. Hmm. So, yeah, that's what I got. Um, I just want to hit you that one uh, real quick. Nice. (laughs) Mostly because I've been sitting on that uh, CBS bumper. It was burning a hole in my back pocket. Mm. As yeah. it goes. You gotta get it out, you know. Get the lead out. Uh this this I love how much this IRS situation has uh, gotten attention. Yeah, it's gonna be um I wonder how like uh FBI they're gonna start behaving in their ways. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Like it seems like an escalation. Seems like the IRS want to be the FBI. Yeah, want to go around with with guns and badges and bully people and have power over people. And we, I mean, we're just so over fucking taxed. It's ridiculous how overtaxed we are as a society compared to where we used to be. But you know, that's no surprise to anybody. That information isn't new, right? No doubt. Um, we got one last uh, scream mail. Well, let's see what they screamed in tonight. Mm, yeah, Trent here. Eating a banana. I'm getting ready to go steam hunting because that's what you gotta do. Go hunt the steam. That is stupid. First, that. Man, I'm just gonna eat that there banana. Out 
It's okay, Cutler. I got you. I'll lay down suppressive fire. Flanking maneuver. Flanking maneuver. <laughs> Pincer move. Go, go, go. Fuck. Oh, Fucking. no. Shit. Fuck. Fucking done. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Uh. <laughs> Good scream caller. Rise to the top. Oh, yeah. The scream rise to the top. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The screams do rise to the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very Fucking cool. A, bro. Fucking A. Well, hey, fun fact. You can call that telephone number, 612-263-7999, any day, time of the week. Doesn't matter. It's there it for you. Seven days a week, 365 days a year. 612 263 7999. We do the show every Monday night at 7.30 Pacific, 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern, over at BadRadio.Live. That's right. You can find us at BehindTheSchemes.com with threes for ease and schemes. Uh, we are a value for value production, which means we don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have any advertisements whatsoever so that we can talk about whatever we want. And we don't have to do any lame reads. And uh, you can come support us in any way you see fit. Give us a call, 612-263-7999. Or you can email us at boo at behindtheschemes.com or lavish at behindtheschemes.com. And, uh, oh, you know what? Uh, We almost kicked this this show in the can without finishing these uh, last couple of boostograms. Okay, okay, let's get to them. Uh, we had These two boosties. come in from Servo, the 9001. First one said, I don't know, man. And wait, do I know? And we uh, finally got that uh, it's over 9,000 boost going. Hell yeah. On the wait, do I know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. And then we had a, a 10,101 sat from C-Dubs using the boost CLI. And he said, boosting from the best Python podcast and 2.0 app in the universe. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven exclamation marks. That's 10101 from C Dubs. Thank Hell you, sir. We appreciate that, man. And I I I was able to use Boost CLI at one point, and uh, it was What does the scouter say it's... about his power level? <laughs> it's 1006. What really? Yeah. Kick his ass, Nappa! Yay! <laughs> Vegeta! <laughs> that was uh, Servo squeezing in at the last second with 1,006 sats. Shout out Vegeta! Vegeta! <laughs> Vegeta! Oh, very cool. Thank you so much. Very kindly. It's a pleasure, it's a treat. Yeah, I was super glad we were able to get that working. It's beautiful. And you know what? If you're in the chats, irc.zeronode.net, hashtag green room, you can see the gifts of those playing. As Gal, the amazing boost bot, and so much more. Holy Jesus. Uh, That's right. She'll show you all the artwork that you want to see. She'll give you uh, dice rolls. She'll give you tarot draws. She'll give you basic information on famous personages. Come on down. Hashtag green room. IRC.zeronode.net. Oh man, I didn't even think to talk about it, but I want to go see Dragon Ball Super Superheroes. Superhero, singular. 
Uh, I have not seen that. And I really enjoyed it. Oh, well, that's good. Granted, I'm a huge nut for Dragon Ball Z. Don't tell Cold Acid. <laughs> I-, I watched it too as a kid. I-, I haven't seen it in a long time, though. Fucking cool. If you recommend it, it's on the list. Oh, yeah. I would recommend it. Just like yeah. I would recommend you coming back next time. But until then, I've been Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. That's correct, Mundo. And until then, as well, I shall also be as well lavish. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. It's hard to get good crack. Part of me thinks he might just also be an evil lizard. A BDSM outfit? That's what I kind of envision it would be. Just these little simple gestures, you insult my intelligence while revealing yours. Huh, that barely left a scratch. <laughs> this is behind the schemes, the esoterica of your dreams. <laughs> I got to go in there and uh, fade out a little bit so I don't end so abruptly.